What if I told you it's actually tea time? Tea time. Tea time. It's tea time, baby. Tea time, baby. Tea time. It's actually the time for tea. Tea time. Well, beloved. Tea time. Right, right, right. <laughs> So, alright, welcome back. Hello, this is uh, Tea Time episode number seven. Today I have uh, Alexander Parody with me. Pleasure to be here. Yes. Uh, do you you want to do like a brief intro or like I don't know? Sure, a homie can do that. Yeah. So uh, I guess like some hitting points for me. Uh, I've been the president for IEEE, which is the uh, electrical student organization on campus, electrical engineering student organization. I mm. uh, did that for two years. Uh, right now I'm kind of in my like victory lap of UCF mm. in my fifth year. <laughs> kind of unfortunate, but uh, I, I don't know. Good perspective on that at this point. Uh, some other stuff that I've done, uh, I'm currently leading the electric vehicle project that IEEE does. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I'm currently being a TA for the intro and engineering class that we have here. So fun times there kind of fun to see the next generation come in mm. kind of makes me feel a little bit dated not gonna lie yeah. like these kids come in i'll make like a you know cultural reference and they're like oh yeah that was like something we did in middle school and i'm like oh no <laughs> <laughs> that's something i do now yeah, they're like almost high schoolers basically yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny but uh uh some other stuff like i've definitely just been involved in like a lot of projects kind of have seen all that ucf can offer at this point uh just really kind of been all over the place. Um, I guess industry stuff. Uh, I've worked at uh, Qualcomm most recently as a software engineer, uh, hardware engineer at Tesla. And then before that for a year, I was uh, working at NEI, uh, which is a power engineering firm out in Colorado. Uh, so I've kind of seen, you know, all over the place. Uh, I've kind of used this most recent semester as like a chance to uh, travel around and kind of see, uh, you know, see the world, kind of see where I want to end up after I graduate, mm -hmm. which is like, you know, closely on the horizon here. Um, yeah, you know, hopefully for today, I can bring some, like, decent perspective for, yeah. for uh, you know, any listeners, and then also just, you know, good memes in general. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you got a lot to dig into there. Um, but before we get started, also, we are going to introduce the tea. <laughs> well, we are sipping on some classic Arizona green tea, ginseng and honey, now 129. This is really nice. <laughs> yeah, it's the Circle K brand, I guess. <laughs> I don't fucking know. I like the pink. I'm a big pink guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, with the fucking IEEE jackets all pink <laughs> out, too. Yeah, that was definitely, that was high-key... A uh, way for me to get pink in my wardrobe. Mm. <laughs> oh, okay, so these are actually the first time I'll, I have. If I have I'm having Arizona teas. Like really? Yeah, I've never actually had one before. Dude, <laughs> this is like I was addicted to these in middle school, bro. This is like. Yeah, I remember mm. uh, even in high school. I remember all my friends like every day at lunch would be like, "Dude, I gotta get the Arizonas." Uh, <laughs> I mean, the other ones are kind of like they're packed with sugar, so like I, I mean, try this one has a lot too, bro. It's like forty six grams. That's so oh, much. Fuck. Okay, yeah, no, we're not doing too good. <laughs> That's exactly what my eyes went right. to when I opened. I was like, "Oh damn, see, I do be a lot." Like, you ever look at the Coca Cola ones and it's like a hundred and thirty percent of your daily value sugar? Yeah, I mean, I don't really, I don't really drink sodas to be honest. But the energy drinks. Um, I will have Celsius's. That's kind of the main. one. When I do, and I, I'm, I normally prefer like green tea or, or like black tea or coffee, but mm. um, yeah, a homie definitely does indulge. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm trying to get the the energy drink thing kind of like dialed in at this point. Like, 
like more or less? Uh, or just like proper reviews? I'm, I'm, I'm a lot less than I was, like especially when it's like four hours of sleep kind of week. Um, yeah, I've been trying to avoid those right now, but it's, <laughs> it's the balance. Cause like, okay, so you like, you've done a lot, you, it, but it seems like the one enemy of being able to do all those things is time. Not time, yeah, for sure. And <laughs> so like with sleep, like w- w- at your, let's say like peak, peak levels of operation, what kind of sleep were yeah, you getting? I mean, really the worst, and it's pretty documented in the IEEE Discord, because I would just be like, pretty much, I mean, I, I still do a fair amount of shit posting, but mm. you, you could go back and look at about April of last year, and or I guess this year, and, uh, you know, basically no sleep a few nights. Like, <laughs> that was rough. That, that was for, I basically was like, pushing off writing my undergrad thesis that mm. I had done, uh... For basically a year. I hadn't really done it. And then, like, the last month before it's due, I'm like, hmm, I should probably start writing this. (laughs) You know, I had, like, had a lot of the references ready um, and whatnot. And then, you know, I I went to Ultra in Miami, which, great experience. But I just remember there was one specific point I was there dancing. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I have to do that, like, very soon. (laughs) And then, like, uh, the next, like, three weeks after, which is basically kind of all that I had, I had, like, two weeks that I could right before my defense um so i kind of like bomb rushed that and got like you know the gist of the paper done um it took a lot of all-nighters not gonna even lie like there was a few days where i was up for like 36 hours which is like Mm. highly do not recommend but like also maybe a good experience to have so you could like kind of ground yourself and be like that's possible that's horrendous for your body Mm. and whatnot but uh I've heard, like, the amount of sleep you get is directly proportional to, like, your lifespan kind of thing. Uh, yes, for sure. That is probably pretty accurate. I think, yeah, it's also, like, immune system. I believe uh, the metric that I've heard is, like, if you only get four hours of sleep, your immune, like, your, I think it's white blood cells or whatever the core uh, building block of the immune system, mm. it's, like, it goes to, like, 75% of its capacity. So it's, like, Ooh. I mean, literally not sleeping, it probably goes down to pretty close to zero, to be honest. Yeah. It's a miracle I didn't get, like, some serious illness, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, I don't, like, do you think that's just, like, the college way, though? Like, you, it has to be done? Like, is there a way to be able to sleep? Like, um, I, I mean, right now I'm doing pretty good at it, but I've also just, like, scaled back a lot of what I was doing. I think one of the biggest issues, like, that a lot of people kind of run into is that they try to do engineering and also do, like, a ton of video games. Um, mm. Or just, like, I don't know. In my opinion, like, I, I used to play a lot of video games in high school, and I kind of realized in, like, my last year of high school that it's, like, I don't know. I'd rather, like, do stuff that mm, is more experiences in life rather than, like, I'm mm. experiencing something that somebody else has made. Mm. Uh, and, like, I can't really contribute that much to it because, like, I don't know. Like, most video games, it's, like, you're kind of playing the story mode that somebody else has made. Yeah. Um. You know, the more open world ones are more interesting. Like, I used to love Minecraft. Like, Minecraft used to be my shit. Like, mm. <laughs> like way too much time went into that when I was, like, in seventh grade. But, uh, you know, a lot of people, I mean, even my roommates, like, previously, like, they sing a lot of time into those. And then if you want to do that and be super successful in engineering, and then if you also wanted to do what I was doing, like, being a president, being project leads of stuff, mm. it, that's physically impossible. Like, you would need to literally not sleep. Mm. Um, so, I mean, I know, personally, for me, it's, like, cut out that first kind of, like, hindrance and then you know, do these more interesting things and then kind of as your break, do these more like ambitious, like social things. I think that's kind of like, that's at least what I've found to be ideal. It's what gives me like the most joy and kind of like fulfillment. Mm. Um, but yeah, I think, I think it is possible. Like you get, if you really 
want to like you have to map out your time and be perfect if you want to get really good sleep all the time though. yeah like, right now it's feasible for me because i'm kind of taking classes that aren't super demanding mm. uh even though they're like the tech electives which is kind of ironic that that's the case like senior classes are kind of less of a workload yeah they petered ones. out a little bit yeah, like, yeah i only go to class twice a week now. <laughs> it's kind of like this doesn't feel like school anymore really yeah. what, what, uh, what year are you actually at this point uh, this is my last semester okay fire okay yeah. sick so and i do um, for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah i'm all i guess yeah it's my fifth year as well okay, yeah. but I, I'm not going the full year, so I'm not like yes, a super yeah. senior. No, that, that is me. I, I'm, yeah. I'm the degenerate. <laughs> really, the thing that made it uh, like hilariously like funny for me was when I came back from California and went to like Chipotle here, and I'm like these like frat dudes were just there, and like I mean uh, they're just like super generic stereotypical frat guys, mm. and I'm just like, damn, I really don't belong here. Like this is super like I don't <laughs> feel like this makes sense for me to still be here. <laughs> yeah, like oh, so you're saying like also just walking around campus, you get that feeling occasionally. Like, right now, it's less of that because I've kind of been like here for like a few months, so it kind of doesn't feel as much like that. But when I first got back here after living in San Diego, I was like, yeah, and I, was, I think I had just been to Miami, so it's like you know I'm just skewed to like you know more grown people or people that are like older than me. Like I'm normally mm. the young person when I'm out in a city. Mm. Um, and then coming here, I'm like, oh, this is like a weird change in position. Like, I am now like one of the old heads mm. and kind of like out of date because like, I don't know, when you kind of get out of that four-year plan, you kind of aren't like necessarily, I don't know, it's kind of like a different college point of view, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, you're not really like f fitting in, especially like compared to high school where it was like, you're done. Yeah, that's, I was just thinking about that recently too, actually. Yeah, because like, it really is way more planned. Like you don't really see many like fifth year high school students no like, or and, any yeah <laughs> no and they're normally like stupid yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah there's normally like a another issue yeah <laughs> it's not like a good thing like oh yeah i had like this minor and it took extra time or something it's like no 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 yeah it was that that was kind of the vibe for me it was more of like i don't know some people like i don't know i, I don't think many people like judge me for it but there's a few people like, that probably are like oh my god like you took an extra year <gasps> yeah <laughs> i mean i feel weird about it like i'm almost like i did not expect myself to be here still like I thought I'd be done in four years, but at the same time, it's like, I mean, I have my reasons, right, yeah. you know, it's not really like a failure, I guess. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like, this is how it added up. I definitely think it could be done. Like you could definitely finish in four years, but like, yeah. I frankly think it's not, well, I don't know for me personally, like the COVID year, I was kind of like, I don't care if I do an extra year. I basically got robbed of one here. So yeah, I, I do feel like we got robbed. Yeah. Like, like the college <laughs> experience, especially in that like sophomore kind of junior area, For sure. <laughs> it's, it's sort of like when you're in the real swing of things. No, I like, definitely agree. Yeah. It definitely was a weird, I mean, I don't know, it, it, like, obviously, every, like, it's not like it's like, oh, yeah, we're, we're victims here. Not, like, yeah. well, everyone kind of got screwed up. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, for for me, I think, like, that was when I first kind of became, that was when I first ran for IEEE president and mm -hmm. was doing that. So I kind of had made, I think, the best, like, decisions I could have in that time. I mean, I, don't know, I guess if you were in, like, areas like Alabama, like, no one really cared. So stuff was just kind of, like, normal. But yeah. I think for... You know, going to school here, I think it was probably, like, the best situation. And then and then when I worked at NEI, I was able to actually, like, move to Colorado that summer, which mm. I think was very rare. I mean, I knew people that at the time were, like, way, like, had way more of a case to be doing cool industry stuff and were getting, like, their internships canceled because of COVID, which mm. was, like, very weird at that time. Like, I remember, like, people at, like, random companies are just, like, we're not doing an internship program this year. And, like, that, that screwed a lot of people over, like... I mean, that and the graduations that were, like, fully remote, like, all that stuff was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like, when when would you rather have the years taken from you? Like, would you rather have your first year out of college removed or, like, miss your year, senior year of high school? Like, 
that must have blown. That would have sucked. Yeah. No, I knew people that, that that happened to them, and I'm like, never mind. I'm not even gonna be mad. Yeah, like, because <laughs> then you're like, you're the king of the school. Like, you are. Yeah, you're just you taking get away, right? away with whatever kind of shit you want. Like, <laughs> and you know, because that's kind of yeah. Like, you've mastered UCF. I think like we are now like. Like, it takes 10 years to become an expert at something. We are expert students almost double, <laughs> double over. So it's like, you know, you know where to go. You know who to talk to or, like, it, it, just getting involved with the city, too. Like, I'm not from Orlando. Yeah, yeah maybe my So own. I feel like now, though, it's like I know Orlando. It's very, very, yeah. Like, so I, I don't know. It's... It's weird because we have all this stuff, and now we're going to be leaving. Yeah, that's weird. And, and so we're, we're, like, do you have a plan for that? Or, like, what, is your, yeah, what is your plan? <laughs> well, excuse me, I want to first uh, talk about, like, Orlando because I was kind of thinking about this recently, too. Like, I've only kind of, like, recently been, uh, like, kind of using Orlando to its potential. Like, I've just recently mm. been going more to the downtown area. Mm. Very cool stuff. I, I like, and I think most recently, I went to Gainesville uh, this last weekend and, like, the game atmosphere that I had when we like they were playing LSU and I was like wow like this is way cooler than UCF's football games mm. but everything else I thought was lamer I thought everything <laughs> else was kind of a downgrade and one of my friends was like oh dude how are you gonna go out to UCF after being here and I'm like bro like besides the actual game like you said it's way cooler than this yeah bro <laughs> I think we're underrated like yeah I heard you talking about that in, in uh, your, uh, yeah, one of your other podcasts like because <laughs> but it, like. I don't know. It's it's a weird like we're in a weird spot because like we're like the space university where the like uh, how is electronics here? Like how is the because like are are we something special when it comes to electrical engineering? Are we like a uh, factor? Yeah, it's an interesting question to ask, and I, I think UCF is like special in some regards, and then still has rooms to grow in others. I personally think. Unfortunately, right now, the EE department is currently, like, in a rebuilding phase. I think the last four years, it's been very strong, but right now, they've been having, a, like, very rapid uh, kind of, like, overturn in their professors. Uh, some of them are still very good. I think Dr. Chan, uh, mm -hmm. who's kind of, like, the core EE professor, in my opinion, uh, he's also my senior design advisor. I mean, he's really, like, the creme de la creme. I think he's probably one of the, he's probably the best teacher I've ever had, honestly. He's mm -hmm. really good. Um, and he's doing a very good job. Uh, Professor Reza, like, kind of becoming the chair of the department, has been doing really well as well. Um, but they've kind of been having a lot of overturn. Um, some professors have been, you know, going other places. Some have been coming in and, like, are still kind of getting ramped up at to speed. So I think there's a lot of room to grow there. Uh, one thing I do think is, like, very good about the institution here at large, though, is the fact that you have so many students. I think the benefit of that is that the, like, student organizations are very strong. Like, there's the mm. potential... For them to be amazing and uh kind of when i had like ascended to be the president fry triple e like mm. the organization was kind of in like a very uh it was in like a lower phase and then a sharp downturn right when COVID happened basically like everybody left at that point because they're like dude screw this i don't want to be a leader like mm. i don't want to have to like go through this hardship and like you know fair enough um i frankly didn't think i was going to be president because mm. i was like i assume that somebody else is going to run for this that is like has good potential to take this over. Mm. And I was a sophomore at that point. Yeah. Um, and hadn't really even been in a leadership position for the club. Uh, but it was, I got lucky enough that like, I kind of had just like a plan and um, the other people that kind of ran, I mean, one of them was my friend that accidentally got on the ballot and didn't <laughs> want that position. <laughs> uh, and the other one didn't actually even like make a like video for his campaign. So it was kind of like easy to win at that point. Mm. Um, and I kind of just, like, it was very easy for me to just come in with, like, ambitious ideas. Um, the memes definitely helped, too. Like, having <laughs> kind of a good culture for yeah. people to get behind and laugh with, I think is very important. And then, uh, you know, there's 2,000 EE students and, like, CPE students, so it's, like, 
we had all these cool things and people like, and I, frankly, they're at lower capacity because of COVID. So it was like, you really just need 50 people and then, you know, make some cool highlight videos and keep doing ambitious projects. And we we're able to quickly, pretty quickly ascend into that. Like we had, when I left, we had roughly like 300 members from like, I mean, really frankly, like 10 when mm. I came in. Um, and you know, that that's very difficult to do at some more, at some institutes, yeah. like some universities, that's not really like possible to do. Like I've, I've kind of seen some of these other schools that have lower student capacity and like, you can't really do like a quick turnaround like that. And mm. I do think that's one of the benefits here is like, there's a lot of energy. Um, I think we're still kind of finding the footing in how we kind of assemble that energy and put it behind like ambitious projects mm. and ambitious efforts. Um, but I do think that's one of the benefits of like taking in so many people, especially people that feel like they've been kind of countered out and disenfranchised by other uh, universities. Mm. That was kind of my opinion. Like I was like, I wanted to go to UF and then didn't get in. And I was like, oh man, like this sucks. But then I was mm. just like came here and was like, I'm going to show them that they were wrong for rejecting me. Mm. I feel like that's kind of the overall energy of UCF. Yeah, I've gotten that a lot, but that's like a lot of other students have said a similar mm. story. Um, but that's really interesting. Like, cause, cause UCF does seem to be like, we are the largest university in Florida. Like the um, sheer amount of resources, like, the podcast is impossible without UCF. Like mm -hmm. the the amount of like student organizations and the amount of money that goes into all those student organizations is massive. Like I had no idea, but like you know, it's like five or six figures worth of fucking money at least, like per certain clubs. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's just kind of it's a little. Well, I guess it's a little concerning, or just kind of. A, some people are like, oh, you know, where's my money going? You mm -hmm. know, it's like, oh, it's paying for some people to go do their club stuff. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like, it's really useful. And, and I think you get a lot more out of clubs oftentimes than you do the actual education. Like, just experience I agree. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, out of all the classes I've taken as a Mechie, I think maybe one or two of them is going to be useful in any capacity. And, like, that's what CAD and it's like, okay, yeah, like, this isn't, I didn't need to go to a university for this shit. It's like, what the fuck, you know, what are you guys doing? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, and I've kind of, ha like, that's a little bit of, like, my current disenfranchisement or, no, some, more like a disenchantment uh, is kind of like, yeah, maybe, I, like, I feel like at this point I don't really need the classes. Like, I've kind of gotten all I can out of them. And uh, more or less I think that the biggest benefit of the coursework is, like, you are kind of learning how to learn more or less like mm. you were learning how how do you quickly take on information and learn new skills mm. like, i feel like that's kind of the biggest benefit that a coursework and really any uh, like university does um i kind of learned that one from from my uh, like first boss he kind of expressed that and i'm like yeah that, that makes a lot of sense like mm. you're not learning how to do like autocad to do like wiring diagrams specifically um that's something that you learn more specifically on the job um or you know you know insert any kind of task there uh, but you're really learning, like, how do you quickly learn difficult things rapidly and then mm. get examined on them? And, mm. you know, there's a benefit to that. But, you know, at a certain point, like at this point, it's like it's kind of like a logarithmic curve or maybe it's more like, what is it, uh, square rooted for whatever the one that approaches one. Oh, like an asymptote kind of thing. Yeah, the one that you kind of like it's, it's, it's pretty rapidly increasing, but eventually that tapers off to like kind of a constant, mm. uh, like basically like a horizontal line. Mm hmm. This probably makes no sense for people that are listening, I, but it's like <laughs> diminishing returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's definitely diminishing yeah, returns. Yeah, uh, and I think that that's kind of like I, I'm. I kind of feel like I'm at that point. Like it's like I've learned a lot, and I feel like at this point, if I'm unless I change environments and change kind of scope of what I'm learning, there's not really too much more I could learn from mm. even these tech electives. Mm. So like so comparing your industry experience versus like your education. 
like, do you think you got a lot more out of the industry or like just specificity or like what, you know? Um, and that's a pretty good question. Or it's just like the useful skills versus like the theoretical stuff behind them. I, I wouldn't necessarily say that either is more beneficial in those regards. I would say that, and this kind of goes back to what I was just saying, but like, uh, Industry does kind of allow for you to be able to experience, like, things that you wouldn't get in school and kind of understand what you do and do not like in industry. Mm. Um, more or less on, like, the technical application side, I've kind of, like, been using IEEE as, like, mildly, like, a mock startup for me. I'm kind of mm. like, all right, how do we do all this stuff from scratch? How do we do, like, how, do, how can I lead people to do these, like, niche technical side of things? Where can I apply my technical knowledge? So... I feel like I've learned a lot in that regard. And then, like, that also obviously applies in industry. Um, but, you know, getting those industry experiences kind of has allowed me to see, like, you know, a window into what it will life be like after graduation. Uh, what would life be like if I'm doing a software role compared to hardware roles? Mm. Um, what would life be like if I wanted to do, like, a managerial or project management role? Mm. I think that's one of the big benefits of it. You know, also getting to kind of experience, again, like, how do you balance life outside of university with a job? Mm. Uh I think a lot of people kind of don't really think about that until they're like in it and then they feel unfulfilled when they kind of get in the industry. And that's largely what like this last couple of like years or like this last year at least has been for me is like, how do I get to a position where I'm not going to feel like I need to leave immediately from wherever I'm at? Mm. And that will make me feel like I'm in something that I want to do. What do you mean? Like the longevity of a career or like, yeah, just go into that more. What's mm. like S somewhat of that, somewhat of like, what makes what will like make for me personally like what would that what will make me like feel like my my time is being used properly like what makes what would make me feel like I am applying my work to something that's like kind of has like a purpose mm. I don't want to just kind of be put out there to do like I mean I frankly think a lot of like the defense companies kind of just like you're a cog in the machine type of vibe and don't mm. get me wrong that's kind of most corporations to be mm. honest um Honestly, kind of kudos to Tesla for not being like that. I'm very surprised that they've been able to maintain kind of the startup atmosphere. And frankly, I kind of worry that that's kind of like due to having like the benevolent strongman leadership structure with Elon. Mm -hmm. Like it's like having him there kind of balances the corporate HR, like kind of trying to make it super like the comparison of like you're sustaining an organization compared to you have a mission that is kind of like a higher purpose. Um, I think, honestly, like the organization of Tesla and Elon kind of butt heads on that, but Elon's a very like charismatic leader that kind of like combats that. And, and frankly, I think his kind of point of view is more, you know, benevolent and, and altruistic than like a corporation's is. Corporations are mainly built to just sustain themselves. Mm. Elon's more looking for like long-term uh, goals in like, you know, curtailing, you know, use of fossil fuels, uh, trying to get to, you know, have populated other planets in the solar system. Uh, those are goals that are not really like, there's not a near term economic gain to those. Mm -hmm. And it makes no sense for a corporation at face value to even like try to get those. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it's like, I'm kind of trying to figure out like, what is something that's going to make me feel like I'm going less towards like organizational sustainment and more towards like actual fulfillment to something cool. So you don't want like just a job. You want like a purpose. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't know. I feel like most people kind of have that vibe. Yeah. Some people want it. Yeah, some people just want, you know, they want to make money and they want to, you know, use it as a avenue for something else, which is totally fine. And that's, you know, that's a respectable thing to do mm. for me though. That would frankly be, I would frankly be bored. Like mm. I would get very quickly unsatisfied with that. If, if that was something I was doing. Hmm. I mean, that does seem, cause I, I've sat and wondered like, 
why would a garbage man be a garbage man? Like, do you think that's what they wanted out of their life? Like, nobody, I don't think anybody wants to do that job, but, like, somebody has to do it. It's interesting. I've been thinking about this, too. Like, even when I just see, like, you know, people doing landscaping, I think a lot of what that kind of concept of doing, like, blue-collar, I mean, like, menial labor type of work Mm. is, like, you are doing it to, I mean, frankly, I'm lucky that I don't have to kind of just, like, be doing a job to sustain myself. I kind mm. of luckily have been able to, I mean, honestly, engineering, you you kind of have that pretty good, like, cushion that you, yeah, won't, like, you, you won't go hungry. You instantly make more than the average American family does. Right, Like, yeah. right out of college. Like, you, you're not you're not stressing that you're literally going to be homeless, which, yeah. uh, frankly, like, there's a good portion of the U.S. and global population that that is the case. Yeah. Um, But I think the kind of, what keeps people like that going, I mean, obviously, one is, like, general survival, but I think it's the concept of, my children can have a better life than I'm having. Mm. And I think that does allow for a lot of people to kind of like keep going on these kind of, I mean, like again, yeah, doing, doing, doing a sanitation work is not, it's not fun. Yeah. Like that is definitely grueling, but I think it's again, these other, it's these other concepts that are what drive people to, to like keep going to work each day. Well, I mean, I, I wonder, cause like it's sort of the thing of like, not everybody can be at the top. Like not everybody can be the CEO. Not everybody can be a rock star kind of thing. But like, and, and that's not to say like, oh, you, you know, all these people are idiots going after their dreams. Like, you, you know, <laughs> it's not going to happen. But I think something about people who are okay with being like, just being like, just doing a job. Like, it's not, you know, it's not like it's their whole like soul. Like, yeah, I do this. This is my job. So I make money and then I take care of my family and stuff like that. I like, I think the fact that we have like the personalities who are like, I need to have more, like I want purpose. Mm-hmm. We need those, but we also need the people who are like, no, it's just a job. Yeah, like, I yeah. just need the job. I just need the family. Like, mm-hmm. I was I was recently talking to somebody kind of in like a similar regard. Um, I have two kind of comments on this, but mm-hmm. uh, w- one was that like I was saying like you know you do have the people like Elon Musk that like have these super ambitious ideas, but frankly, if he doesn't have the organization to back him and kind of like you know facilitate the work that needs to be done to achieve those goals Mm. i mean those ambitious goals don't happen Mm -hmm. so it's obviously like you do need kind of the uh, unfortunately you kind of need the bureaucracy to like achieve those goals the bureaucracy itself is is not necessarily the best and it's like you want to try to kind of curtail like nonsense more or Mm. less like you don't want to have just like bs work um but i think it is important like somebody that wants to change the world they do need people that are kind of just fulfilling those like tasks that need to be achieved for it um I also think, secondly, though, um, you know, as as we kind of like revolutionize what work is kind of done, especially as like AI becomes more of a, and like robots become more useful in industry, um, you know, hopefully we can just have it be that you know most people are just doing these like higher level thinking jobs, and we kind mm-hmm. of like get rid of these like lower tier jobs. And I know a lot of people get worried when people say stuff like that because like oh, like people are going to be homeless and not have jobs. Mm-hmm. But my like my view and vision is more of you transition away from doing jobs that are like inhumane and you transition those people, you know, maybe it takes like hardship at first and maybe a generation to shift away, but like Mm. the next generation maybe is doing these high level thinking roles and are able to actually like do stuff. That's like, again, more has a purpose Mm. is more beneficial to humanity as a whole. And like, then you just have a higher level like species in general. Well, I mean, that's kind of because I was talking to my buddy on the last podcast and it's kind of like some people are in situations where like, like in America, it's a very much like, oh, what is my purpose? Where who yeah. am I gonna be? You know, like this painting fulfill me. But like, there's other places where that's not even like 
an option. They're like, I, sure. need, yeah. I need food. Like, don't, I'm not worried about fulfilling myself. Like, food will fill me. That's all I need. But um, I don't know. Like, that also kind of goes with just the, the population thing. Mm. Like, if, if we have, you know, all these jobs and, like, 30% of them are, like, technical jobs, and then we eliminate the other 70% using robots or something like that, we got all these people. Mm. Like, what do we do with, like... Because UBI has been proposed as, like, right, this yeah. is what you can do with them. But I'm not sure that would be the best. I mean, not just, like, oh, yeah, these, you know, they're just feeding off of us kind of thing. <laughs> but it's also, like, you know, you have a workforce that's just not right, being utilized. Right. Like, you could, like, do something with these people. Yeah, I, I think two things. Like, you see to bring up UBI, so I kind of, like, want to touch on that as well. But I, I do think the kind of the concept of, like, once we get rid of these jobs, we'll have just people doing nothing. I think it's honestly just not, it's not looking at the biggest picture. I, I do think mm. that like, we just don't see what that next need that's going to be, that needs mm. to be fulfilled is right now. And, you know, I mean, again, it's definitely like, it's definitely like worrisome to not know what the future is going to have mm -hmm. and kind of just be like, we want to change these things for like a better humanity that will, that will hopefully f like kind of fill in, in the future. Like that is very scary to say, cause it's like, yeah, you're like, you're putting faith in that there will be a need in the future, which like, it's not necessarily certain, but I do think that that probably is what will be the case. Like there will be jobs that we just don't know will be needed in the future that will eventually like come up. Mm. Um, you know, I'm hoping that's more of the case. Um, on the on the UBI side of stuff, I mean, it's an interesting concept. I think it, I guess it should be explored more. Like they should do more testing of it. Um, I mean, some people want to claim that like the COVID uh, like funding stuff like was not good. Like uh, like unemployment stuff that was just kind of like loosely thrown out during that period too. Mm. Just kind of people will claim that that just made people like lazier and just like kind of focusing more on the check from that, less of, like, actually doing jobs. Mm. Um, so there's a concern there. I, I honestly think, I mean, it's a good concept. I understand, like, how you could see it working, like, on paper. I mean, the other, like, kind of, like, you know, economic drawback to it is the concept that it's, like, if you just give everybody more money, then the prices just go up. Yeah. Um, you know, which is, it is, like, a legitimate concern. But I also would then subsequently argue that like you know corporate inflation that's just happening for profit margins is like significantly more of an impact than like giving a thousand dollars to like the lower class like mm. that is definitely kind of a bigger issue when it comes to like the economics of inflation especially like right now i think it's like i think i recently heard it was like i don't know what the specific metric was i remember it was like 51 percent of something something from corporate profit was like impacting oh, inflation i don't know yeah, what the specific number yeah, was. yeah yeah i heard that statistic where yeah. it's like it used to be like 10 percent in the last kind of like exactly what it was, yeah. economic problem or yeah i don't, I don't yeah, know I where the numbers it, came i think it, i can't remember if it was the 70 number. it was the 71 recession or the maybe it was the 2001 crash or the 2007 crash one of these like crashes that were uh, largely related to inflation um, there was a, like roughly like 11% of that inflation was due. I think that's what it was. It was like 11% of the inflation was due to corporate, uh, uh, profit margins, mm. which is again, basically like corporate's like, they don't, there's no like price that's attached to them in the, in the supply chain that's causing the increase, um, in, in final costs to the consumer. Yeah. Um, and then this current cycle, it's allegedly like 51% of that inflation. So, um, 
I mean, yeah, that's like a very like real <laughs> thing that you could try to attack with economic policy, but I, I don't know. I mean, it's also, I understand why it's not being done. A lot of like the corporate donors are also kind of like pretty entrenched in politics. So mm. it makes sense that there's not like legislation going behind those. Well, I think like you kind of have to change the people instead of just using like policy. Like you can't force people to do everything that you want them to just with laws. Like, you know, they made weed illegal. Look at how that worked out. Like it's not, you know, <laughs> so how do you like, I guess, change the American culture to be more of like a not so greedy maybe I don't know like that's a good question yeah <laughs> it's, it's cause like I a, wish I had that answer <laughs> I mean yeah if we, if we had that answer I think we'd be good but like going from cause it used to be like you'd get a pension from your company rather than putting money into a 401k mm -hmm. like you would get you know these people saying like back in the good old days you could work in a factory and you'd be like supporting you know your wife and then two kids and you'd buy right. a house and all this stuff and it's like the good old days blah 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 yes is the American dream dead <laughs> yeah I mean I that's a good question. Is the American dream dead? I frankly don't think so. I, I mean, what what is the American dream though? Is it that everybody starts out poor and then becomes Elon Musk and like? I guess that's, that is, I guess that is what kind of what it is on paper. I, I mean, I don't know. I guess my interpretation is that you have the freedom to be able to pursue anything that you want, mm. and I think that you know that can lead you to being successful, even mm -hmm. in like an objective term of like you just want to do what you want to do and you have a significant passion for it, there's a way, there's normally a way for you to make money with that. If you are the best at what you do, even if it's something that's like, like even just artwork, I mean, art in the form of painting or art in the form of music, like there's a very select number of people that can do that. But those are the people that like care so much about it that they're willing to like basically throw away like the majority of, you know, easy roads to success in order to achieve this like, exponential route to success and like yeah. I don't necessarily know if like stuff like that is is achievable in most countries I mean maybe in the arts sector it kind of is but like I think like capitalistic wise like a lot of countries you can't really achieve that I think this is still one of the best in regard to like what is your upward potential there's not really like I mean don't get me wrong it's definitely not even starting plans but there's no reason like there's no you can't move up in class because you started in the lower class. Like, mm. I mean, there's, there's several countries that are kind of like that. Like if you are in the lower class, like that is what you're going to be for life. Yeah. And there's no real route out of that. I mean, I've heard even Britain's like that. Like they call it like tall poppy syndrome. Like you were born in this place. Don't be <laughs> growing higher than everybody else. Right, right. I mean, I think that's, isn't that largely in, in like uh, relation to like people leaving Britain to go like other places to I achieve success. I thought it was more of like you were like almost like a caste system kind of thing. Like you were born to do this job. You shouldn't be going upwards to another job, but I'm not, I'm not really okay. sure about the, the details of it. Yeah, to, to my knowledge, I believe that largely refers to, like, people that, like, leave Britain to, I mean, most notably, like, Britain or Australia, to go to, like, uh, like America or a different country mm. to, like, achieve fame. Like, uh, I know they normally, uh, the one, that one Australian comedian, they, all, they always shit on him in Australia, allegedly. I, uh, is it Jim Jeffries, That's maybe? the one, yeah, he's the one. <laughs> uh, I believe he's referred to it, like, he, when he goes back to Australia, they, hikey do not like him. <laughs> um, which, you know, it, it's sad that, and like, that's kind of the most interesting thing about America, is that there's not really, like, this uniculture, or, well, yeah, that, that, that's true, but also, like, you know, like, uh, like, kind of, like, ethnic uh, upbringing. Like, most of these other countries, it's, like, you know, if you were born there, like, I mean, like, let's go to China. Like, a lot mm. of those people are, like, Chinese. Like, there's not really many immigrants that are in mm. China. And a lot of countries are like that. This is kind of one of the exceptions where, I mean, you go down the street and it's, like, it's just people from all different cultures. Like, it's it's really not unicultural, which I think I think is also another benefit and kind of does kind of build into that American dream aspect. Mm. Well, I think, well, so that's, that's a whole can of worms we could go into. Because 
I, I have wondered this with my friends of like, are we, are we stuck in a way to where like we can never come together as one, as one real America because of the differences? And I don't, I don't think that's true. I think that's a bit like fatalistic. Like mm-hmm. we'll never be one. Like you know, <laughs> there's too many differences. But like, it's an interesting sort of build up of like you bring your own culture we do things di- you know you you come you're iranian you know you dress a certain way you eat certain foods and you can find your own sort of niche area but at the same time like we're all kind of like incorporating together mm-hmm. it's like you'll open a, a restaurant and then it'll be like you know like how sushi's on every fucking corner like <laughs> you know we've kind of integrated that into american culture like chipotle is like uh, did we steal that did we make it uh, you know I mean, uh, I, I think one of the, like, other benefits, too, in that regard is, like, I mean, in a lot of these countries, it's, like, you kind of are pigeonholed into, like, following whatever culture you're kind of, like, born into. Mm. Like, this is one of the countries where it's, like, if you don't really feel like you belong in the culture that you're born into, like, you could still experience, if not, like, fully in be engulfed in, like, other cultures mm. and whatever you find, you know, that you fit in the most. I think that's, like, that's a very good benefit, honestly. Um in other regards to like what you're saying, kind of like the will we ever have kind of like a unicultural America? I mean, I think at face value, like in the, on the foundation, we kind of do. Like we kind mm-hmm. of are all again, we kind of have this like the American dream aspect of like trying to achieve success, mm-hmm. and we have the opportunities to do so. And I think that is kind of like where the uniculture is. But I think we have the benefit of like I think having just like pigeonholed ideas and and point of views is like not really great. Like perspectives mm-hmm. that are just like all the same normally leads to poor decisions and not seeing the full picture. Mm-hmm. I think we're, we're kind of lucky that we have uh, this like diverse mindset. And honestly, finally, I think that's like what the better version of diversity and inclusion is less of like just have different colors of people. Like that is important and kind of builds into this other idea, but I think it's more important to have the diversity of thought and background mm-hmm. Um which again, that normally actually does end up relating to you know diversity of sexes and races, um, but to hyper focus on that and have and have you know a diverse group of like looking group of people, but everyone is thinking the exact same thing. I, I frankly don't think that's really beneficial to yeah. to, to really anything. Honestly, I think it's good to have um, more of just like diverse thoughts and you know, unfortunately, we kind of like there's various groups. Uh, I would say like white Southern America kind of gets counted out a lot and mm. like. Don't get me wrong. I mean, a lot of the history there is not good. Like, <laughs> yeah. like super yeah. racist stuff. Not great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thumbs down. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> big thumbs down. But I think it's you know it's so important to kind of see like what is your point of view on this and just at least hear these thoughts and hear where they're coming from. Less of like discounting those people completely because, you know, unfortunately you're leaving off just like people that come from a different worldview and like maybe they're going to come up with something that's going to be able to benefit your societal direction and we've just like. It's I, I don't I don't think America is going to actually like fall into a huge hole with this. I think mm. we're kind of in like a weird, uh, kind of like peak of like kind of uh, kind like of the sequestering of that. Yeah, division, yeah. I guess. But um, you know, I think we will eventually come around to being less of that. Well, like I, I mean, I think there's a balance that is necessary because I I think of like China as our. Like the opposite, almost like everybody's supposed to be the same. You it's know, very unicultural. Yes, Although, for sure. like you know, if you ask like the Cantonese people or like the Uyghurs, you know, they might disagree with you. But Correct. Uh, <laughs> but like the I, you know, there's some utility in everybody 
sort of thinking the same way, everybody doing what they're supposed to and not trying to like get, you know, not trying to be like, oh, I'm trying to figure it out. I'm going to do this. It's like, that's right, right. that's not efficient. We need you to build the iPhone. Like, mm-hmm. that's what you need to do. <laughs> so like, and, and China, I think, is like super powerful because of it. Like mm-hmm. just the way that they can utilize their resources and kind of build up certain things that they want even like because in america it's sort of like we have to decide and it has to become popular in order for something to happen right right whereas in china they're like we want a lot of hackers we're going to put all the money into hackers we're going to make sure we have more people going in and doing these things and that's how they'll win or like mm-hmm. i've heard of like with their gymnasts like they'll find like seven-year-olds yes, and be young, like, yes, you, right. you have good bones like we're <laughs> gonna put you in the <laughs> we're gonna put you in the gymnast club and like that's what you're gonna do we've decided for you and I, you know, that I'm not saying that's good. Like I, I I'm pro America. I'd rather have that. But I think the government is listening, and your uh, your, your, your your words are going to be uh, tracked down. So <laughs> yeah, speak speak kindly and tread lightly. I love <laughs> Joe Biden and Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> <laughs> Please be merciful. No, but like. It, it, and that's another thing, like the way that they censor people and like you're not even allowed to say ideas that might be considered like against the regime mm-hmm. or something like that. It it kind of I, I think it has like a, a discipline, almost like you're, you're like a fighter, like a tool, like you're you're developing for one purpose, whereas America's kind of like we're trying all the things right. and it's like. Like, they're very specified almost. Like, they're, like, really tall but really thin, but we're really short and really wide, if that Yeah, that actually, sense. I think that kind of makes sense, yeah. I think, um, I mean, yeah, I, I think both come with strengths. Like, the collectivist versus um, individualist societies kind of come mm. with their individual strengths. You don't get... I mean, I, I think I think you should refer to this a lot. Like, you know, the healthcare system is, like, an interesting concept for... I think engineering is also a big one, too, mm. Um but kind of like you don't really get these like super big success stories uh, where you get kind of like, you know, the individual that steers a ship in like a super extreme direction that achieves great success. I don't think really happens as much in a, a super collectivist uh, society. Mm. Um, but then on the other side, you could say like, yes, again, like you have a well-oiled machine more or less on the collectivist side. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would say the negatives is like, you know, something like Xi Jinping wants no COVID. So we just locked down the whole country for three years. It's like, it's kind of like your, you know, subsequent super big negative. Um, I mean, yeah, they're they're having like low-key a horrendous time trying to do that right now. And like, I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't want to live that way. I think maybe you get more achievement in some regard, but like having these straw man leaders that are at the top of this, you know, strongman leader like dictatorship is like it's, mm. it's not always the best like there's definitely downsides especially once i mean you know for instance putin like you're in there so long and then you kind of get isolated I, I, unfortunately because of covid and you know if he's like sick or not or whatever yeah but like he's just not around as many people and then he has kind of again a negative feedback loop of like bad ideas um you know then that that strongman leadership then is like a significant problem i do think that is one of the benefits of the united states as, as well as like the checks and balances like you don't really have the opportunity for shit to go off the rails based on one leader um you know so do you people, think we are immune to the strongman cuz i i'd say like right now like we've been getting we've been kind of pushing it a little bit for sure i think i think the most recent president before i mean i think i think donald trump is definitely like yeah. the he, he's definitely was the biggest test of that i mean um, I don't have as like strong opinions as some people. Some people think that man is like the devil incarnate. I mean, mm. I just think he's like kind of like a meme to be honest. And like, <laughs> just, he, I mean, l- let's be real. Like, he he was a strongman leader with like 
very good like quips and uh, the ability to like persuade people. But realistically, like his cabinet and the people around him are were just like the the generic party in general. Yeah. Um, and I frankly think like kind of the ability for the U.S. to not like give him the presidency after like people like invading the capital. I think that's like a pretty good yeah. uh, show showmanship that like the the government is pretty strong and kind of uh, unable to be taken over through like. I mean, some people call that a coup. I mean, I think that's more or less just like kind of degenerate. I've, I've heard it was te- technically a coup, but like it was, it was so like goofy. Like yeah, I didn't take them serious. I believe coups are normally when like the military like yeah. will, will uh, like fight the opposing party, which this is what normally happens in like South America. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I think that was a pretty good show that. I mean, I don't know. Perhaps you. I mean, people will argue now that like, oh, it's like existential that we protect against like it happening in the future. Now, well, but the next election, I can see something like there. He was making comments about like, if you don't let me run, like people are gonna be upset, and you right, don't right, want right, that. Right, and yeah. it's like, okay, well, you, you <laughs> bump know what? The I, you, one thing I do find very interesting is like, uh, and I think this is really only in the political sphere that people will discuss this, but like, people are like, oh, we're so close to a civil war, mm. and I'm just out here like. You guys are full of shit. Like, yeah. come on, like, I, like, I, like, like, me and basically everybody I know, like, except for like maybe people that are super into politics, like, no one's picking up arms to like kill people in their neighborhood. Yeah. Like, get the fuck out of here. Like, no, no, it's stupid. Like, I, I don't. I wonder why. Like, I don't know why the civil. Well, okay, I kind of know why the civil war started, but like the the, oh, the real civil war, yeah, the real yeah. one, <laughs> the one that actually occurred. Yes. But like the um, I guess like the mood, the feeling of it. It seems like we would need maybe like a financial incentive or not, you know, not to say like if my livelihood depended on it, like I think they the plantations did. I'm not totally sure. But like that kind of makes more sense of like why you would then feel the need to fight the union. Yeah. But we're not really like we're not desperate like that. I frankly think that this that that kind of like phrase is kind of it's kind of like a ploy to just get interest on like cable networks like yeah the, the, the people that aren't kind of bought off by it, i mean let, let's be real the, the cable news networks are largely used as a distraction from real issues they're there to kind of be the red herring from anything that like actually affects you as an individual um i frankly like don't care like what like super conservative or super liberal people want to do with their lives like i I more like I think the individual is more interested. How do I feed my family? How do I get a sustainable income? How do I achieve goals? How do I you know mm. have fulfillment? I don't know. There is a set of people are like the five percent maybe, and maybe yeah. that's even ambitious. Maybe it's like the one percent on yeah, each stream. Yeah, point seven like, over there. <laughs> like Ashley is willing to fight, and I think people are more of getting that idea from Twitter, or like yeah, which I guess it's true. I mean, I don't even like I don't like most people. I think already don't really use Twitter. But, yeah, like, no, exactly. <laughs> um, but like you know, the the kind of elites on there like want to kind of like show that that is the case. But I, I just don't think it's true. Like I, I don't really feel that vibe at all. Um, people that I meet on the street are like very kind to one another and it doesn't mm. really matter what your ideology is. Um, and I think it's unfortunate that like the corporate news members kind of want to, and like politicians too, like don't get me wrong. Like they, they're also like kind of in that, uh, infrastructure are like trying to d- be so divisive because mm. I really think we have a lot in common and, and the hyper focus on the minor differences is not really healthy. Well, I think like the, the sort of like, if it, if it bleeds, it leads kind of thing is going on where, especially for like, I understand it more for politicians, I suppose, than the news, but like, 
I don't know. I, I recently it's just been kind of me wondering like where are the adults? Like <laughs> like I, I thought when we grew up it would be like politics was supposed to be boring. Like we need more farms, so we're gonna invest <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. But now it's like like they're throwing out all the you know the super mega gang is gonna take over and it's yeah, like yeah. what are, you know what are we doing? And I, I think they're trying to make it like you know you gotta motivate the base. Like this is how That's you kind of get vibe, people yeah. to come together. And I don't know that, like, if they tried something different that was more professional, more boring, like, would that lose? Or would, like, maybe people be like, oh, thank goodness, like, an actual person is trying to do something now. Yeah, yeah, I think kind of the issue is, like, it's so built into the infrastructure and money right now. But I don't know. I think it's possible in the future that could be the case. I think, you know, small changes like ranked choice voting and stuff that can possibly, like, break up the machine are beneficial ways to kind of get in that direction. It'll be very difficult to do that uh, rapidly because there is so much momentum in the other direction to have it basically be like, if you're in office, like you kind of have that secured as long as you, you know, work for your, um, your investors and whatnot. Like not mm. really as much your constituents, but more of like the lobbyists and yeah, the people who donate. And yeah. I mean, it's definitely an issue. Um, I don't frankly think it's like existential. I do think it is a problem, but I don't mm. think it's like these will be like leading to the downfall of uh, like society, yeah. unless we get into a nuclear war because of it, then I'll be like, "Damn, I should have paid more attention." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would really suck. Like nuclear war. I was funny. But, I, was listening, I was listening. Like uh, I think I was. Listening, I don't know when you filmed the one with uh, Muib in it. Um, I think that was maybe like last semester. It's during or, this summer, sometime. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, like a few of the, the items on there were like dated, and I'm like. Like, like I think you talked about the queen in there, and then there was mm. uh, there was a, like something about like the euro about to be on par with the dollar. I'm like, oh yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and now I'm like, oh yeah, hopefully these like conversations about nuclear war don't like <laughs> age poorly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my yeah, so many things I said where I'm like, no no no, we'll be fine. <laughs> it's like, oh. it is funny though because there will, I mean, most likely, I mean, I think this was any conversation that's recorded, at, like there will be some point where you look back and like, oh, it's really funny that they said this because this happened after that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I mean, but that's, I kind of like it. It's a great time capsule. This this is one of the good things about just like the podcast in general is just like, imagine 20 years from now, you're going to listen back and think like, wow, (laughs) this is where I was at. Like, you're going to have kids and you're going to be like, I don't want to do my job anymore. Fuck that. (laughs) Or, or, you know, who knows? But right now you're like, yeah, I'm, you know, full of piss and vinegar. Let's get something done. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it's, it is, it is pretty cool to have that as something to reference back for, for sure. But I'm also worried, like, I'll say something and then I'll get fired in 10 years. True. Valid. (laughs) Just concern. Yeah. The last one we had a lot of, uh, a lot of drug talk and women talk. Yeah, yeah, I was like, uh-oh. We're going to edit some of this stuff out. I don't know. Dude, that, like, I don't know think of, like, that most recent, like, Kanye interview where they're like, you need to cut that out. Like, Kanye literally was like, you know what, don't put that in the interview. Yeah, <laughs> oh, my God. See, we talked about him on the last one. It's like, what is that poor dude? Like, yeah, or, I don't know. Homie. I don't know if he's poor. Like, it's just, like, um, I think he has, I mean, I, he does. His mental issues, like, to be honest. Like, it is kind of sad to see that because, like, uh, you know, he's a tremendous creator, um, mm. and, like, I, lo- I mean, I freaking love his music. Like, his mm. music is tremendous. Like, uh, Life of Pablo was, like, one of my, like, favorite hip-hop albums when I was in high school. Um, and, yeah, it's kind of sad to see that, uh, especially, like, the super, like, racist comments. It's like, oh, yeah, yikes. <laughs> well, he says he's a Jew now, Dude, it's so honestly, it's okay. like, It's kind of, like, comical. I'm like, bro, there's no way you just said this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> uh, he's, I, I, I don't... 
I mean, th- that's like the mental disorder thing, though. Like, you have to be that crazy to where you're like, yeah, that's not reading the room well. <laughs> no, but like, I just want to know, like, doesn't he have somebody that's like, hey, don't say you're gonna go DefCon three <laughs> on Jewish people. Don't say that. Yeah, bad, bad. Like, <laughs> like, Dude, I, I, like some of the stuff is like, I, I, I enjoy some of the stuff he was saying, like in the past, where it was kind of like, I see what the hidden truth that you're trying to say is, like. When he wore the, like, White Lives Matter thing, I was like, okay, I get what you're saying. Like, mm. the organization of Black Lives Matter, like, not less, less the idea, but more of, like, the organization mm. kind of had pretty flawed practices that led to, I mean, more or less, like, a pretty negative, like, effect yeah. on the actual movement itself. So I get, like, what the commentary is there, and that's, like, that's pretty entertaining. But, like, I mean, like, just spouting out. I mean, also when he outed, like, everyone at J.P. Morgan, I'm like, dude, like, it's okay. Like, we can calm down a little bit. Like, you don't have to just out all these personal people's lives, like, and, like, post that multiple times on Instagram. That's a little bit weird. I didn't Uh, see that. What did he do? I I think actually maybe it was, I think uh, J.P. Morgan and Adidas or something, like, he was showing that, like, people were on both of the boards there or something. Mm. It was super niche for him because he was just, like, saying, like, oh, they want to take all my money from my Yeezys or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. I honestly, frankly, didn't follow this enough to get it. Someone's going to be out there like, dude, none of that happened. But, <laughs> but that was my understanding of it. And, uh, I mean, that's a little bit weird when you go after people personally. Like, I think it's okay for people that are, like, you know, big political figures or have done something that's, like, horrendous and it's not being reported on. Mm. But to just, like, oust an entire board and, like, say, you know, pretty foul things and kind of, like, insinuate that people should be rude to these people is, like, not really cool. Like, that's, yeah. that's kind of fucked. Yeah, no, that is, that is pretty yeah. fucked, especially when you have such a sway like Kanye does. For sure, yeah. And so many people are going to blindly follow him. It's, well, I, I actually, maybe less now. I, think I, less now, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, people, I think, and this is the same thing I kind of feel about, you know, some of these other artists, but, like, I, I still will like his music. It's not like I'm mm. going to just be like, oh, like, we still listening to Kanye now. Like, I mean, yeah, kind of. Like, yeah. he's still a good music. He's still a creative genius, at least, like, especially, like, a decade ago, like, when he was kind of just, like, oh. more, I mean, I guess he did have some weird comments about that. That that George Bush does uh, hate oh, black people. Kind of, I mean, that's just hilarious. <laughs> but like, it's you know, still kind of like out of pocket stuff to say back then. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of one of those things where I'm like, is he crazy now, or has he just been <laughs> crazy? Like, he, he was. I, I think of the line in Bound Two, like, "I'm tired, you're tired." Jesus wept. I'm like, what? What are you? <laughs> what are you thinking when you're writing this down? Like, yeah, man. Like, I get. Uh, I. I guess it kind of takes, like, and that's what I spoke about in the last one, too, is, like, you have to be a certain level of crazy to make art like that. No, I would agree, yeah. Or, like, you need that kind of madness component. And I think that kind of sort of connecting that to what we were talking about earlier, you need a certain level or... Maybe you need like a certain level of like narcissism or something to yeah. be the strong man. I was kind of thinking about that too. To yeah. be like the Putin. Like, what do you like? Oh, for sure. What, what kind of personality type does it take, do you think, to be the Putin? Or like, I don't know if you've interacted with Elon Musk any in person, but <laughs> <No>. like, <laughs> that'd be cool. One of my, fr- my, few of my friends have met him though, and like the factories in uh, Tesla. But, but like the, the, the personality of, of Elon, you know, like he would release that thing about like how to fix Ukraine. Like, right, right, right. It, it, even his, I've heard his points are fair but like you know it, it, to be able to think like i can fix this i you know i do all these things mm. i could probably fix that one too right like, yeah um 
So let me answer both of those. The first one you were saying, uh, narcissism, but I'll, I'll go to the second one real quick too. Mm. Uh, I do frankly think, uh, ever since Elon d- decided to buy Twitter, I think he's frankly gotten like kind of a bad rep in the media. Um, mm. They kind of understand that like having more of this free flow of information is kind of negative to like the major corporate uh, infrastructure for dissemination of information. Mm. Um, so I've kind of seen that they've kind of gone on like a hit job routine for him. Uh, don't get me wrong. Not everything he does is perfect. I frankly think it's like personal relationship side of things is not something I like I that I view as like great. Like, I mean, like, he's had like several wives. Uh, yeah. Isn't he like just trying to impregnate people? Like, um, in a sense, kind of. I know so, like some of the stories though are a little bit of like, like I remember there was the one about like him like having an affair with the Google, like Google CEO's like wife or something. And that seemed like it was in large part kind of like a fabrication or mm. over exaggeration of it events. Seems convenient. Yeah. yeah. That that one, and that was like in the peak of like kind of this like debauchery of him. Mm. Uh, but I mean, I'm gonna be real though. I frankly, I, 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 so, okay, like, a lot of ideas. Mm. Uh, I think he's probably one of the like kind of benevolent, more or less billionaires that has like good intentions. Mm. Um, I don't think that means that he everything he does is good. Like he again, he clearly has you know his own uh, goals. But uh, let's be real, most billionaires are looking to just, like, get the bottom line of the company. Um, I used to think this about Mark Zuckerberg, too. I've kind of actually changed my point of view recently after I've heard more conversations with him directly. Yeah. Um, I do think, like, there's several billionaires like that that have kind of, like, have a worse picture painted of them than is real. Um, But, I mean, let's be real, though. Like, Elon's companies are, I mean, they have very good goals. Mm. Uh, Again, sustainable EVs and a transition away from combustion engines. Uh, You know, it's not the the end-all, be-all for carbon emissions but mm. it's it's a good start to it and you know eventually could lead you know with help of other companies to a more sustainable grid and i mean just better cars to be honest too yeah just um, comparing like maintenance wise yeah. like it's or just like convenience too yeah and then you know multiplanetary species i mean that's something that growing up like i love the space industry i thought mm. space was so cool star trek and star wars were like definitely important parts of my like, upbringing and mm. that's really cool i think Neuralink is probably one of, i mean that's one of the companies i'm most interested in working at Ooh, to be honest i would love to go yeah. there that place is we can we'll get into that yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. into that um but, you know, those, those are very, like, good goals. I think, uh, you know, ideally that's what most of your leaders look like and less of, like, a hyper-focus on themselves. Um, so that kind of, like, I want to lead into, like, the narcissism point of view. I mean, I, I would say it's it takes definitely for sure a little bit. I think, frankly, leaving myself just, like, kind of leading, like, IEEE, like, a bit of that seeps in for sure, like, mm. the decisions. You, especially when you, when you achieve, like, mild success, you are like, yes, my decisions are good, and that means that I am a, mm. I am a better person than others. And, like... You know, it's good to have that so that you have the confidence to make risky decisions. Mm. But obviously, it's not good to be like fully engrossed in that. Because yeah. you, you do have to be able to understand when when somebody on your team comes up to you and says, "I don't think you're making this choice right because of this, this, and that." It's important to be able to take in that point of view and listen to those people. Like, it's, yeah. not, it's never good to just be like, "My decision is final, and no one can tell me otherwise." Yeah, it's balance. Um, yeah, <laughs> and I think it's important for sure. So, okay, going into that, bringing it back to you, the, the sure, interview. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, like as the strong man of IEEE, <laughs> what like how do you how do you motivate people? How do you how do you win the hearts and minds of your soldiers? Like how you know <laughs> what, what what would you say is the the je ne sais quoi that has led to your success? Um, I mean, it's a good question. I, I mean, I think frankly, at the base, and this actually goes back to what I was saying, kind of about like even with ambitious goals, you still need a very strong team underneath you. A lot of it really took uh, people being willing to kind of follow my vision. Mm. You know, if nobody was interested in doing the stuff that I was proposing, like, I mean, none of it gets done. Mm. If it's just me, like, I mean, 
tough shit. You're not getting it done, man. Like, <laughs> it, it, it took, I mean, I think an important part of it was ambitious ideas that were kind of not done by other people. Um, I will say, like, a good portion of what I put into the framework of IEEE, which is kind of more on the, like, how do you sustain an organization side of things, um, is more or less kind of like stuff I saw in other student organizations. Like, uh, I mean, Theta Tau was, like, a big impact for me there and kind of, like, the structure that we have internally there. Um, stuff that I saw within Shep, I mean, Shep, I mean, really, Shep was, like, the success story at the time that I was c- kind of coming up. And they're still one of the, the best organizations on campus. Mm. And just stuff that I had seen from, like, them, ASME, these different clubs, it's, like, I saw kind of, like, what the amalgamation of success was across those and kind of built that into the structure, kind of like took out the negatives I saw of those, like what was holding them back and put a lot of that into just like the framework of like, how are you organizing the workflow and leadership structure? And Mm -hmm. I think that's been pretty good. I think that's going to actually kind of maintain um, the structure of IEEE ideally, uh, even Mm -hmm. after I'm gone. Um, But on the more side of like, yes, the strongman leadership, uh, I kind of like was trying to balance both of these, but like, uh, I think one of the best things is like, again, memes and funny culture is like having a culture that's pretty unique to your organization is very good for having people being willing to like help out a lot. Like, you know, making fun of like even just us like putting like like serious stuff that we do, like putting jokes behind it, I think mm. helps kind of uh, ground it a little bit and make people more interested in those. And then uh, I think definitely the ambitious projects like we're, I mean, building EVs, building, uh, you know, very advanced AI systems for playing chess with, with itself. And then, uh, doing uh telebatic arms like we had a bunch of cool stuff and the cool workshops like people just love those and then Mm -hmm. kind of building the community around that i think was kind of like it all kind of worked in very well um frankly was something i love to do i mean like Mm -hmm. it it was a great experience for me then uh it's i think it's important for me to now kind of like hand that off more or less it's it's fun to still be involved but um it, it does need to kind of get its you know own culture and perspective outside of me because that was really my biggest concern is like Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's the biggest concern with the strongman leadership in general is mm. like once that person leaves, does it become a vacuum that crumbles in on itself? And that happens in a lot of, you know, yeah. I mean, you can look at cartels, you can look at um, uh, strongman Rome. leadership countries. I mean, Rome, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Like, yeah, once you get a bad emperor, it all just kind of like, or just infighting in general. It's yeah. like, if, if there's not both that structure to hold it up, and then you have the strongman leader to kind of get these like big leaps. Mm. I think that's kind of the proper balance. If you can get both of those, it's, it's, it's very valuable. Mm. I mean, that's because, uh, I mean, I went to one class, but uh, like Aristotle, one of he said like the best kind of leadership structure. Oh, you went to a class with Aristotle? Well, you know, you pen, maybe <laughs> Ivy League school, not a big deal. Um, but like he was talking about how like the best sort of like, leadership structure isn't democracy it's like the philosopher king like mm-hmm. the one who knows how to balance things but is also like swift enough and is like one right. person in order to be able to like act that is true i do think that that is that is really the benefit of having i've been doing i think you know populist ideas and having a structure that is diffused amongst the people to make mm-hmm complex or, or important decisions I think is good but you also do need somebody that you've basically put your trust in to make very difficult and real-time decisions because mm. you know if um yeah you know if something very dire happens you do need somebody at the helm to be like we're doing this we're doing that we're doing this and we need to achieve this now um if you don't really have that then that's when you kind of like are going to crumble in the short term mm. uh and then, again I think that's where the value is in the strong man is like you have the short term uh very strong uh, base, and then you have for the long term, you have the structure of the organization itself. Mm. Now, so would you also say, 
Because, like, right, you, you got a lot of ideas, right, for how to be the strong man. But would you also say a lot of it is, like, the work? Like, how much work, like, an effort? Would you, like, I mean, I'm guessing I know the answer is yes. But, like, was it hard <laughs> to get IEEE to where it is? Like, Yeah, I mean, for sure. It definitely takes time to do that, for sure. Uh, it's not really, I mean, yeah, if you want to do these leadership positions successfully again it's like you do have to sacrifice a few things here and there like i mean sleep is i, I think that's my go-to one to be honest. <laughs> so i don't really like to cut corners on quality too too often um even if it just takes less time i will just try to like cram in quality rather than like mm. cut it out completely because i mean you can get away with that for so long until it just like crashes and you just have something that's like dog shit and then you know people will remember that if you do something mm. that's like Especially, like, organizational-wise, you do something that's really bad. Like, people yeah. will remember that, and that will sway people to not be as interested. Um, doesn't mean that it's, like, not able to be salvaged, but that that is, like, a, a re reality that some people will hold grudges against. It's, uh, you build happen. a thousand bridges, but you fuck one goat. You're a goat fucker for life. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great one. I, yeah. I want to use that one in the future. <laughs> that's tremendous. Uh, am I allowed to do bathroom breaks here? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That is a, that is a problem. All right. Ready? We're going to take a little break here. Sick. Okay, we're back. Yes, teeny teeny bladder, Alex. It <laughs> <laughs> was a good piss. Nice. It was it was pretty it was pretty valid. Yes, pretty valid. Okay, that's good to hear. <laughs> I like my guests to be happy. Mm, yes, yes. I do like these teas too. I, I mean, I don't know. I feel like I won't go about drinking these every day, but they're entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting word to use. Yeah, they're they. It's not too sweet. Like Coca Cola, I'll drink it and I'll feel like, oh, like I got to take a nap after this. Yeah, I don't really I don't really enjoy. I think I was saying this earlier. I don't really enjoy sodas that much. I, I, when I was like a kid, it wasn't really the uh, the most optimal thing for me to drink. I, like it just sprites and, and coke were not. I, I just didn't like. Maybe it was like the the fizz in them. Mm. I just didn't like it as much. Really, because I, I used to be like a fiend. Like like in I remember middle school, they'd have like you know like the Valentine's Day party, and you get all like the candy and shit. <laughs> like I would just crush up Smarties and mix them in the soda and just like damn just eat as much sugar like actual was, sugar fiend it was like That's a lot i'm surprised i don't have diabetes it's fucking but then now like coming to college like 63 south has like a soda machine and i'd never touch it like yeah, i just yeah. get water from it i've been trying to not really like ever since i was a sophomore i haven't really been eating sweets that much ever honestly are I you mean, like diet conscious like yeah i try to be pretty on my stuff but like i, I just don't like the biggest thing for me is i try to be like okay if if i stop working out like i just st still want to like not have like major health problems mm. so i don't really like do that and then uh i mean right now i'm in a big phase of like actually working out and being physically fit so now it's like definitely yeah. beneficial to have the good uh nutrition um but yeah like uh i mean that and like carbs too i've tried to like not eat as much of uh, at least like like breads and pastas also they kind of also come with a lot of sugar in them too yeah this is kind of my cheat thing drinking the ice the uh this is your cheat? yeah, yeah. What, do you have like 46 is a lot yeah <laughs> i mean uh, 48 is it 48 it's four. gas yeah bro <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if that's a little too much for you Wait, so are you on like a certain kind of diet? Like, do you only eat like lettuce and stuff? Or like, <laughs> no, I do enjoy meat. Yeah. <laughs> I was uh, just listening to—I don't know if you ever heard of Andrew Huberman. Uh, is it guys? Yeah, like the yeah. Huberman Lab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was listening to his podcast uh, with like Peter Atia on today, and they were like, "Oh, red meats and cheese can sometimes be bad for this, this, and that." I'm like, "Well, I don't really care. I'm still gonna eat those." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I just—I try to at least cut out the. Um, I mean, like you know, red meat's good for like building muscle at least, and, mm -hmm. and maybe later in life. Uh, cholesterol wise I will try to curtail that a little bit but um, 
Yeah, I mean, my, my like, go-to is, like, I try not to eat that much in the morning. Like, I only eat, like, a protein bar and some fruit when I wake up. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, then just two meals at the, the other parts of the day. Uh, what do you, like, cook? Because I've been trying to get my breakfast, like, figured out. Yeah, I, yeah. I, can't, I can't get it down. I used to, like, eat eggs every morning. Like, I would just always cook, like, four eggs. Oh, but like, uh, I don't got time for that. Yeah, no, valid, yeah. Yeah, we're not, I don't eat anymore either. <laughs> <laughs> that used to be my go-to. Uh, now I, like, uh, like, for the other meals... Uh, to kind of supplement that, I uh, I make a lot of salads. Uh, I make a I, I have like a bunch of frozen mahi back at the crib. Mm. Love those; they're great. Costco, on, Costco honestly sustains me. Like their the, their like food that they have is amazing. Um, eat those, uh, you know, chicken steak. Uh, what is my stuff? Those, those, oh, I have those are some good Costco quiches. Those are fire. Ooh. Ten out of ten. I'll, I'll eat like the whole tray in like one go, bro. <laughs> but like, okay, so you like time wise for food, because I, I always end up where I'm like, if I like if I want to eat and I want to cook, I'm not gonna go to bed with like on the right time. Like it's gonna be fucked. So and it's gonna wake up like my roommates and shit. So it's like <laughs> I don't <laughs> want you to get home, bro. <laughs> oh, fuck. it'll be like eleven o'clock, something like that. Damn, but, super like, late. Yeah, <laughs> but I got like my my roommates like this like older woman too. So she's mm. and it's like a the walls are thin and shit. Mm. And she, yeah, but like I'll be like, yeah, I guess I have to eat this Taco Bell. Like, right. Oh, I don't want. I try not to. I try not to eat fast food too frequently. I I've been trying not to, but like. The breakfast I've just been going for yeah. breakfast is fucked, bro. It's so much money. <laughs> I used to like when I was a freshman. I was in the vibe of eat anything possible. Um, <laughs> I would have something like four meals a day and biggest fuck meals. Like at at uh, at uh, sixty three. Trying to bulk or like I was what? bulking then. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I was pretty big, honestly. Like, um, but I don't know. Then right now I'm in way more of a cut. Like I'm actually hopefully we'll soon have the fully showable eight pack. I'm in pretty close. Hey. Um, but uh, I, I'm way more interested in like less and then you know protein focused rather than mm. um, just like eat as much possible like less of the dirty bulk. Mm. Um, right now I'm trying to put in a little bit more like fat and protein into my diet because I'm kind of like, oh boy, I'm gonna be pretty cold during winter. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, which I think is gonna happen uh, regardless. But hopefully, growing out my hair and maybe a beard will will help. Mm. Mm. <laughs> okay, well, okay, so that kind of feeds into like. So, you, you know, you get a strict diet, you know, you got all the internships, do well in class, club president and so on. And so, like, I, I call people like you, like, high-level operators. Like, you <laughs> get shit done, you know, you, you know, it, it, very controlled, or at least it appears so. Mm-hmm. Have you always been this way, would you say? Or uh, like, no way. Yeah, <laughs> like, how, <laughs> how have you built up from being a scrub to being a kid? <laughs> like... Um, I think in college I've been a lot better, and I don't know. I just progressively I've been just learning more things. As like, I mean, I, podcasts have honestly been really helpful with that. Like being able to disseminate information to me uh, while I'm just like, you know, I'll just be doing laundry and being able to like get in very useful information mm. and just like cool conversations. Um, you know, various. I'm not always listening to like super analytical podcasts, but yeah, uh, yeah, it'll put you to sleep. Yeah, like yeah. I, some humans, I can't like get all the info. Oh, no, 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 for no, sure. No, no. There, 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 there's, uh, lately, I've been liking. He had a few about um, the like various substances uh, like effects on the body. Like, oh had, yeah, we got to go into that. Yeah, he had one on. He had one on uh, alcohol. Uh, marijuana, psychedelics, and nicotine. I haven't seen the nicotine one yet. Mm. Um, but just very interesting conversations. It's honestly, it is interesting to kind of hear from the doctors and scientists. And I think, yeah, I was saying to you off the air, but um, the effects of like alcohol on the body is like kind of way more pronounced. And uh, mm. a lot of these doctors that actually study it are kind of like, that's actually the worst drug for you possible. <laughs> and it's very interesting to hear that because, like, I mean, 
I think it's pretty clear that like socially that's not really the case. I think the one that is probably yeah. most accurately categorized is caffeine. I think that's the one that's like it is a substance, um, but it is kind of accurately categorized in that if taken properly and not super late, it actually is like not really it's like negligible negative impacts really. I mean, it seems like the softest of the drugs. Like I wouldn't even like I put like nicotine, weed, and alcohol in the same level of like you could say soft drugs are like, you know, they're tier one. Caffeine, right. I put below that. No, I think it's like, it's probably, I mean, allegedly uh, the, the, the psychedelic doctor, I don't remember what his name was, but I think he was a professor at Stanford, um, mm. was saying that like psilocybin is, and, and uh, caffeine are like the, basically the bottom tier of like super negative impacts. Um, hmm, I'm, ass- uh, <laughs> I'm assuming that meant like super moderate psilocybin use. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> and I'm also paraphrasing, so maybe I'm like citing that incorrectly. But that, like, was, that was rooms and coffee. Now. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, I believe you put uh, weed in like the middle category with amphetamines, which, uh, frankly, amphetamines. I think yeah, frankly, I think amphetamines are terrible. Uh, and I can go into that in a bit here too. But yeah, uh, please. But yeah, b- uh, marijuana though before like the age of 25 is allegedly. I mean, it's not really chronic use is where you start to get bad, which is um, he was citing that as every uh, like twice per week is around where you start seeing like like negative impacts that actually affect your life, um, mm. uh, at least more pronounced. Um, mm. And then, um, yeah, on the fact of amphetamines, I mean, I've been actually kind of harping on this a lot lately. Um, I want to eventually get back to alcohol because I do want to cover that too. Yeah, but, yeah. But, but like, we haven't I, even gotten to the, the yeah, success. Yeah. <laughs> like, <really>? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to jump it all around here. Um, but uh, I, I think we're going to look back on this like over prescription of um like ADHD medication as like a very negative thing that the pharmaceutical industry has done. Mm. Um, the overuse within college campuses and then just kind of like in general, I think is like very bad. And I think it's, I, I honestly kind of like hearkening a lot to the opioid epidemic mm. uh, where at first it's kind of like we are, the pharmaceutical companies are portraying it as we're curing um, uh, pain and I see a lot of the similar kind of mindset when it comes to we're curing attention deficit. Mm. Uh I frankly, like, I think it's not good. I mean, these drugs have the impact of, like, you don't really sleep when you're on them. I mean, Adderall's half-life is 12 to 14 hours. Mm. Like, that is very long. Uh, and to take, like, 30 milligrams, which is, like, I, uh, that is a prescribed amount as, like, is way too much. Mm. Uh, and I honestly, like, my friends that have taken it for, like, a very long period of time, I mean, I think it's it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I was allegedly uh, diagnosed with ADHD when I was very young and I was supposed to be put on Ritalin. Mm. Um, thank God my parents had the wherewithal to not do that because I think it would have, I mean, curtailed some of the parts of me that I think are beneficial, like the kind of like willingness to do like crazy things that are kind of impulsive, which, mm-hmm. you know, good in some cases, bad in others. But yeah. uh, I'm glad that I didn't have this thing that would alter my brain for a very long period of time. It's very hard to, especially during development. I mean, it's the same thing with weed, like smoking that young. Um, I mean, like Adderall and these, I mean, like, I mean, obviously meth is like a significantly worse version of that and will Mm. alter the brain pretty significantly. But Adderall does the same thing, man. It's like, you're not really getting your REM sleep. You have this major chemical reaction in your brain and I'm not a doctor. So like, you know, take this with a grain of salt, but I do think it's kind of like, it's kind of throwing a lot of caution to the wind and it is kind of like a pharmaceutical uh, industrial complex of like, oh yes, 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 take all these drugs. Like mm. we will prescribe these to you because we want to make money. Yeah. Um, which I think is unfortunate. Um, and yeah, and then on, on alcohol, it's also like, it's interesting that uh, it's very socially accepted um, and it frankly has like very, it, it appears yeah. that like- uh, Nobody cares. Like it's- 
it kind of is whack. Um, allegedly, like an average of two drinks per day, which could also mean you binge drink. Uh, it was it was one to two drinks per day, uh, which means you could also just be binge drinking seven on like one day per week, mm. uh, which is like very frequent. Like a lot of people do do that. That's college. Yeah. So yes. yeah. Uh, I mean, that's even that's I know plenty <laughs> of people in, in the real world that do that too. Um, I mean, the the health negatives of that are very substantial. I mean, I believe it's a four percent increase in cancer risk. Mm. Um, uh, your immune system goes down significantly, which also is kind of what leads into that cancer risk. Um, which, I mean, it makes intuitive sense. Like, you are basically poisoning your body, and mm-hmm. we expect that, like, nothing bad will happen from that. Well, of course it's going to be bad. <laughs> uh, and, you know, don't get me wrong. I mean, I also will enjoy those, like, binging of alcohol, like, sends, but that's, it's, it's, I'm kind of, like, reconsidering, like, kind of how I approach those. Mm. Um, allegedly also, like, stress, uh, the, the ability to regulate your stress is significantly decreased if you're a uh, uh, chronic drinker, which is, again, that mm. one to two drinks per day on average. Um, and I've kind of seen that in people, too. Um, I, I knew somebody that they were kind of like, you know, having the like one wine glass per night thing. And, yes, yeah, stress and anger management, very, very poor in that person, unfortunately. Mm. As somebody that's very close to me. So it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate to see that we kind of do cast this under the rug and don't talk about it enough because I do think it is, it's it's a, it's a pretty decent issue. Um, I understand that there's a lot that goes behind that, like the prohibition era didn't really work out very well. Mm. Uh, but I think it's it's more important, less of like to just like as you're kind of saying before, like less of like putting laws behind it, but more of just letting the populace be informed on these things. I think is important. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I, do you worry that like? I mean, I don't know your your history with substances, but like, do you worry that like you you're you're what twenty two now? Yes. So you like you got three years, and your brain's almost gonna be like your brain's Fully done cooking. Okay. So yeah. The prefrontal uh, cortex finishes developing. So yes. like, <laughs> are you gonna are you gonna like take extra good care to like make these a good three years of development, or like what you know? Do you have any plans there with that? Um, I mean, I think it's important to like have an idea of what you do to your body uh, in that period of time, especially during like core periods of development. Mm. Um. I frankly wouldn't recommend that anybody like under 18 really indulges excessively in any substance. I mean, I knew, unfortunately, again, like plenty of people in in high school that were like super into substances, you know, whether it be weed or or alcohol. And I mean, they normally don't really like amount Mm. to too much. That's very interesting when you do that. I mean, especially if it's like, again, chronic use. I, I think really chronic use of anything. I mean, I kind of curtail this for uh, caffeine, unfortunately, because <laughs> I'm kind of like, well, I'll bite the bullet on this one. But I honestly think, like, it's really not great. Uh, you know, even if it's just, like, even if it's, like, dietary supplements to maintain lower cholesterol, I think it's ideal to be taking as little of those as possible mm. and more of addressing on the front line of, like, eating healthy, exercising well, like, mm. and, and you know, substances goes into that hand in hand. It's, like, you want good rest. Some of these substances, I mean, like, you don't enter REM sleep when you're on alcohol or THC. And it's important to kind of like like understand that and understand why is my body like suffering so much instead of just being like whatever other people are doing it. Mm. Um, I, I don't know. I think these are these are these are topics that maybe in fifty years we'll look back on and be like, I can't believe we let people do these things. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I think both alcohol and and um, and, and Adderall and their equi- and those equivalents will be looked back in that way. Unfortunately. Well, I think like just culturally, Adderall's not really. You know, nobody's like, oh, yeah, bro, let's go snort some Adderall or something like that. But, like, weed, especially in pop culture, has just erupted. For sure. And then, like, there's also, I mean, I'm not sure how many people, I, I think with, like, 
depending on what podcast you listen to, obviously like Joe Rogan has brought it up plenty of times, but like Hunter S. Thompson is kind of, of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's the figurehead of like do all the drugs and be successful. Right, right, right. And but also die young though. Unfortunately. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he killed himself. That yeah. was like, and he was like 60 or something, yeah, but he, he was he suffering. Been, and, but like, I, I don't know. I think like the I, moderate, moderation hasn't like we don't have that in our culture <laughs> yet like we don't we don't like because i'll know like um like especially european people or like spanish people like they have sort of a culture where like yes yeah, some of the kids will drink a little bit when they're younger right right but they're much more controlled about it they always seem to be more moderate in their overall use like it's not really as big of a problem as like here where it's like oh yeah i'm just gonna get wasted every day of the week yes i uh, i mean it's definitely a loaded issue because i do think yeah the tw- uh, 21 as the legal age i think does kind of like because i mean i don't know this is bullshit the college students that see all their friends drinking while they're 18 i mm. mean it's going to clearly be pressured into drinking underage and i think it's just stupid to like I mean, as much as again, I could undersee, I could see and understand maybe what you're going towards by making this a rule, but it will clearly be broken. Mm-hmm. I think if you have a, a more reasonable rule that is kind of like less, more of a guideline, less of a rule is better. But I will also argue, though, the uh, like cigarette use in Europe is pretty atrocious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, what is? Oh yeah, you haven't listened to the nicotine one. I'm I'm curious to, to see yeah, yeah. What, what that says. And it's interesting because allegedly, uh, I was Peter Tia was briefly talking about this, but like you know, smoking in general is allegedly uh, a pretty like negative impact on your body. Uh, just just yeah, yeah. <laughs> in taking in taking particulates into the lungs is just uh, has pretty negative consequences to the body in general. Um, but they were referring to kind of more of like you know patches and gum as more of like there can be a use. And it's better than using a stimulant like Adderall. Mm. But I don't know. I frankly don't find nicotine very enticing to me. I, I don't think it's really like yeah. a great a, a great thing. I think honest. it's probably the worst drug or one of the worst. Like definitely vapes is like terrible. Vapes, oh, like the berry stuff, like berry. They like, berries. Like the the berry flavors. The oh, berry, yeah. Like oh my. God. I they were like bioengineering uh, berries to uh, like cherries to be have nicotine in them. No, <laughs> now that's an idea. We gotta patent that as soon as possible. Yes, but um, cut that part out of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like. Um, I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but, like, I've woken up after a night of imbibing, and, like, I can smell the vape in my nose. Like, it's... And and people thinking that, like, oh, it's, like, healthier. It's, like, it's better than smoking. For sure. Yeah, no, cigarettes are pretty gross. But, like, they're not... It's not good for you, or, like, not healthy at all. Like, like... Yeah, I mean, some of my friends... um, that are more on, like, the party side of things do, do smoke cigarettes, and it's, like... I mean, I don't know. That is that. Is, like, I love those guys, but like, mm. sometimes I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, please, let's, let's not do that. I don't like. Okay, I'm a. Like, I'll admit, I've had a cigarette or two in my day, <laughs> and honestly, I prefer them to vapes. Like, uh, it was a tweet around. I think that he's the same way. Yeah, yeah <laughs> but like, it's it's like the. I think I guess the occasionalness of it. Right, like, right, if right. Every once in a while, you have one. Like, you're gonna be okay. And I also think it's sort of like, yes, it's it's bad for you, and like. That's just what it is. But at the same time, like, I'm going to die. Might as well, like, yeah. enjoy it a little bit. Um, and, and, of course, yeah, you can get a little crazy with that, especially if you're going on, like, a bender or something like that. For sure, yeah. And, um, I mean, uh, well. Yeah, yeah the, I was going to say, the, the, other, the other one that I think is, like, kind of some. I mean, 
don't know. I frankly would. I, this is one of the ones that I'm like literally never interested in at all. But like cocaine, like pe- mm. people, there's definitely people that love cocaine. Uh, I think it's probably one of the more risky ones to be doing right now. No, that's this, medium to hard. Yeah, in my oh, mind. I mean, like I think that's one of the harder drugs <laughs> yeah. for sure. Um, but. And it's very risky to be taking that right now, especially with um, the uptick in like fentanyl being laced and everything. Mm. And cocaine is definitely one of those drugs where it is like it is cheaper to and and denser to use fentanyl within. So there's a very there's an economic gain for upper level suppliers to be lacing their substances with that. Mm. Um, and you know if they if it's so high up in the uh, dis- distribution chain that it doesn't really directly affect their direct consumer, which would be other suppliers. It makes sense that they're going to use fentanyl in these to make mm. a quick buck up front, which will have a lot more profit and then distribute to the lower end consumers. And then it's not really affecting their supply chain. Um, it's very sad. How some, I mean, it's sad that people die from that. Uh, I think it also is just in like um, more the the party drugs as well with it being laced in there. And uh, I mean, I believe in my high school uh, a few like a month ago, somebody died from like I think they were I think they were attempting to take MDMA oh. and it was uh, laced with fentanyl and they died. And I'm like, dude, that's like really sad. Like people that are dying at super young ages, frankly, way too young to be taking MDMA. Yeah, in no, general. Not high school. Is- yeah, no, that's fucked up. Um, but they don't deserve to die because of that. No, of course yeah. not. But I think, again, like, it's it's important to not do any of these in excess that you aren't, like, I mean, at a minimum really testing your stuff. Mm. And then I think, like, cocaine is just kind of just, like, people don't really care. Like, they kind of are pretty cautioned to the wind on that. And that's rather concerning, especially when it's, like, and I know friends that do that. And I'm like, oh, come on, man. Like, we could, yeah. we could do a little bit better than this. Well, I know, like, people who, are like, it is definitely, it's changed their lives. But, like... It's also sort of just changed them as a person. Like I, yeah, know, that's very sad to see. And to like, be honest. I, I, I didn't have like as good of a gauge on it as some of my other friends did. But like, there were definitely times where like I'd be talking with friends about this other guy, and they're like, yeah, like I remember old him, and like new him's just mm. not, you know, like I can't really get along with him. And it's kind of like tragic. Like, <laughs> yeah, that is sad. You know, you lose something like that just for a substance, and it's especially like. It's such a, like a quick high. It's, you know, I think it's only supposed to last like 30 minutes or something. I believe so. The half-life is rather rapid. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, 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 but people make this trade and I guess they make it, you know, not knowing what they're going into. But I also think there's something that leads to it. Like, I I don't know what makes a person want to do cocaine. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've heard it feels awesome, but like. I, I don't think that's enough to entice me to do cocaine. Right. Like, I've never done it, and I won't do it. Yeah, I mean, I think really with any substance, whether it's, you know, really from the whole spectrum, caffeine to cocaine, it's like, mm. these are all tools. I mean, mm. um, it doesn't mean you have to use them, right. first off. <laughs> and then secondly, if you do, there's a proper way, and then there's more ways that are riskier. Like, you know, if you have a hammer, you can use it to hammer a nail, or you can just swing it around a bunch of times. Maybe you'll be fine, like, mm. at first when you do that, but eventually you're going to hit yourself in the nuts or in the head. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's important to have that concept. And under, I, that's why I do value kind of these, like, podcasts on just the whole gamut of substances. It's like, okay, good. Like, I understand, like, what any of these are doing to me. And, you know, even stuff like caffeine, it's like most people don't really know, like, what it's actually really even doing. They're just like, I feel more awake. Yeah. And it's safe because the FDA approved it, but, like, it's probably better for you to understand, like, what actually goes behind it. What is it directly doing uh, to my head? Um, and, you know, there's people that have done studies for it so that you're not doing, like, the super groundwork on, like, let me take a statistical analysis on this. Yeah. But it's more of, like, other people have done that and you should use that as, like, a valuable asset for you. Well, I, uh, I, I don't know that most people 
like not necessarily have the time, but or the care want enough, to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like to study it, like for sure, yeah. Like I have it, you know, I haven't researched caffeine like that. Yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. and I use it pretty much daily. It's kind of. I used to be very bad with caffeine use. I was like in in last fall when I was like my in my second term as IEEE pres, um, and I was like trying to balance like a lot of social events and still doing a ton of work after. I mean, like doing it in the COVID year was a lot easier to do a ton of stuff because it was like I'm just at home. Like, I have so mm. much time to do all of it, and then getting back to like you know commuting um going to parties like mm. going to just like even just gatherings and after class and stuff just talking with people after class like that takes up time and it's a, a lot more energy out of me so i was drinking caffeine at like 8 p.m like 200 milligrams and it's like and i'm like and like i remember afterwards uh that december my doctor was like you have like a major strain like behind your like head here and i'm like oh my god it's like that's normally due to like insane amounts of stress and i was like geez and it's probably in large, <laughs> it's probably in large part due to me like legitimately not sleeping. Like I was probably never entering REM sleep when I'm drinking like caffeine at mm. at nine p.m. Like it's very doubtful that that's like good. Yeah, no, <laughs> there's no recovery that's happening from that. You're not really getting like time to just like rest. Um, and now I'm kind of I think in a much better state uh, for that now. Um, I'm drinking just more early in the day and, uh, allegedly the rule of thumb is like, if you want to go to bed at 11, drink your last bit of caffeine at like 1 PM to 3 PM because mm. uh, the half life or the quarter life is eight hours. So, uh, oh, is that? Cause I always heard it was like effective for six hours. So that's how <laughs> I've been plotting it out. Yeah. Yeah. But it, for really like, if you want to get like good sleep, like eh, six hours is a bit rough for me uh, to mm. be honest. Like if I drink at five and try to go to bed at 11, it's going to be very tough for me to sleep. Mm. Um, but, uh, that's kind of been my rule of thumb now. Just like drinking earlier, drinking less. Um, try my best to not drink on the on the weekends or if I'm not doing so I mainly drink caffeine honestly to like work like super intently that's that's mainly when I try to drink caffeine so do you do a lot of your work in the mornings like is that when you're like writing or like I don't know what you do um I honestly my, my routine is kind of like get up at seven um work out this is like kind of the first thing I'll do mm. uh, and then uh, then kind of grind from then till uh, so normally my, my current routine is kind of like start working at like 10 10 a.m. and then uh, grind till like 7 7 or 8 p.m. Uh, is kind of my go-to right now uh, <laughs> that's, a, that's a long period of time it's like, definitely long yeah yeah no, it's definitely it's, uh, I mean, like classes do. involved as well classes are in that yeah uh, like, working on just like other stuff like any like senior design and stuff like that mm -hmm. um, my when I was president I was basically doing 12 hour days like that was kind of my, my, my vibe um, I still do kind of enjoy that honestly like kind of like the super hard grind mode um, mm. but that also kind of like pushes me to a point where I want to like kind of binge other experiences mm. um so you know that 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 is like that is challenging to kind of balance, and you don't want to do that in a way that you continually you know work more, uh, you know, party or like yeah, go on hard, a super. I mean, like yeah, you know, I'm like oh, I need to go skydiving every weekend now to feel alive yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. <laughs> uh, you don't want to keep going in a way that it just keeps one upping one another, um, but more of just a way that is like sustainable. Um, frankly, I think the better route is like I think doable for me is like 10 hour days and then like sustainable out, out outside of work activities i think it's like mm. sustainable um the 12 hour days are very difficult to do if you if you want to do that you have to devote like a lot of time to what you're doing and i, I would only do that if it's something i very much care about um and i don't know if that's really sustainable for like years mm. i think it's more of like you can do that in short bursts but it's not really doable if you do that every day for like years. Was it sort of like the the case of like boiling a frog by slowly turning up the heat? Like, <laughs> is, is that w what you would say your experience was like That's with <laughs> doing that much work? Because that goes like you know how are you with this you know, high level right, operator? Right, right. Did you like you freshman year? Are you even senior year of high school? 
what <laughs> what has changed not just in how you like what you do but how you think about the things that you do right that's a pretty good question yeah um well honestly my first three years of high school i was pretty like socially awkward like not mm. very i mean decent student which mm. is i guess like the foundation of everything else uh but I was kind of just like, didn't really know my place, didn't really know how I could fit in. Um, and then senior year, I kind of like more found how to be a social butterfly. Mm. I feel like I always wanted like the spotlight on me, but never mm. really knew how to accurately do that. Mm. I think I've gotten a lot better at that, frankly. Um, uh, and just like gotten better at communicating in general. But that last year in high school, I kind of, that was kind of when I also shifted away from video games and more into just like doing stuff with friends, like going out and uh, just like hanging out, going to the beach and stuff more. Um, and that kind of allowed me to kind of transition into college where I was way better at kind of achieving success in classes and then also doing exterior things. And uh, freshman year, I was really, uh, that was really when I was like a gym rat, honestly, like in there a lot. Again, I was saying like eating mm. uh, a ton at that time. Uh, and, um, and then progressively, I started like kind of doing more kind of like, you know, goal minded things. Sophomore year, uh, I got, you know, started doing some jobs. I, I actually, my first job was like three different jobs at once. It was like I was a SARC tutor. Um, I was a research assistant and I was also doing campus tours occasionally. Mm. Um, so it was kind of like finding the vibe of like, oh, I want to do all these things. Like, how do I do all these things? Well, just like put in a ton of time and like <laughs> be willing to do them all. And then uh, COVID was interesting. I think it's kind of been interesting for me is that I kind of go through these spurts of like completely changing what I'm doing. Um, you know, COVID kind of slowed everything down. Then I briefly went and worked a ton in industry. Mm. And then I came back and I'm like working, doing IEEE stuff and doing classes remotely. And then the next year is like, I'm kind of, I've kind of dropped the industry side of things a little bit, but I'm now more focused on the experiences, still doing the IEEE and still excelling in school. Um, and at this point I've kind of like, the first half of this semester was really, I was like, I'm so burnt out. I just want to like mess around. And like, I've kind of been more chill and just been traveling a lot. And like right now I feel like I'm achieving kind of my optimal mode where I'm like, I'm still able to kind of do that and still ha live a healthy lifestyle, mm. but also I'm able to put in like eight to 10 hour days where I'm actually achieving a lot of productivity. Um, I was kind of struggling with that at the beginning of the semester. I kind of felt again, as I was saying earlier, a bit of a disenchantment where I was like, why am I putting so much time into this? I should just like have fun instead. Um, but now I'm real, like, I mean, I kind of already knew this, but like mm. brief, you know, moment of, I don't know, weakness or just like exploration. But now I'm kind of like, more into balancing those two, like getting high achievement while mm. also doing fun things. It's, it's, it's good to have that balance. Mm. Mm. Extreme on either of those is bad, to be frank. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can't have, I mean, just like not having a life and just working working all the time, that just doesn't seem appealing to me. And But I think most people want, like, no, nobody sees themselves as like, yeah, I just want to be like a whatever guy. Like, I just want to show up and like get a job and be like, <laughs> just be there. Yeah, some people are like that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And, and, you know, like we were saying earlier, like, or I was saying earlier, we need those people to like yeah, show yeah. up. But uh, I think a lot of people see themselves as like, they have their dreams, they have what they want to do, but they just don't know how to get there. Or they don't know how to become that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And so I guess like, uh, is there something that you think like just, change do you think it was like a slow change did you have you know where you like you saw a businessman and you're like oh i, I want to mm. be a businessman and then you became that or was it just a slow change into more and more activities more and more work yeah I mean, that's a good question i mean i think uh it's a little bit of both probably like i think it definitely was like a transition period to be like super 
like in the productivity mindset. Uh, the big thing that got me into like kind of be, wanting to be more altruistic and what my goals are and like do more things that like impact people was, uh, I remember I was watching the, I, I kind of have said this a few times, um, but I was watching the uh, Falcon Heavy launch uh, for like SpaceX, like the first one in 2018. Mm. Uh, I was in high school at that point, uh, just like in the gym, like chilling and <laughs> watching the live stream on my phone. Mm-hmm. And uh, the like theatrics of like launching um, Starman in the space on the on Elon's like red roaster. I was like, dude, that is so fucking cool. Like, I want to mm. do stuff like this that can impact people around the world. And uh, you know, it doesn't have to be literally this, but I want to do stuff that can have this type of feeling where just random people can be like, wow, that's amazing, or or just like impact them positively. Like, uh, you know, mm. doing stuff that is going to benefit others it was something that like kind of like came into my realm as something that I wanted to do a lot more. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what sent me off to do engineering. Uh, and then after that, my, uh, who ended up becoming my, my former boss, um, was kind of, uh, we're down like a ski trip in Colorado and he was, uh, doing some, uh, some work there, like designing some, uh, some power systems, like looking over some documents. And I'm like, Oh, these are cool. Like mm. cool looking puzzles. Mm. <laughs> and that was kind of what uh, shifted me towards electrical engineering. And, uh, pretty grateful for that. I think electrical is a pretty like cool major. It's mm. uh, it really is like very diverse in what you cover so many different things yeah <laughs> i was gonna say yeah what is, what is the state of electricity what are, <laughs> are we doing it good? still flows oh, good uh, to hear, good to but hear. yeah i mean like the ee major here is pretty cool i mean you cover like more or less like four major disciplines like you've power systems you have electronics um signal analysis um I mean, semiconductors in there uh there's really like so i mean like the computer side of things is also like mm-hmm. a lot of fun uh, i also did a cs minor which pretty entertaining i think that's like pretty cool um if people have the time, I would recommend they do it. But, like, mm. I know not everybody can fit that in. Yes, yeah, uh, is tough. Yeah. Uh, CS1 is a rough class. Yeah, it's probably, <laughs> I put it in, like, top five hardest classes I took here, for sure. I think it's uh, it's probably number five or something. Um, in order, uh, well, maybe not in order, but power systems is definitely number one. That shit was insanely hard, mm. and people normally fail that class. Um, Chan Semiconductor's class. Uh, EMF is pretty hard, too. Um then maybe CS after that. That's probably the top four. I mean, what? Okay, so electronics. How are they able to like make it smaller and smaller every single time? Right, right. I mean, like you know Moore's law, like yeah. the concept of that. Yeah. I mean, allegedly, it's. Uh, I mean, I'm not really too sure how they go about making it smaller. Time that, that honestly is like I guess I haven't researched it enough, but I know it's all about like photo. Uh, like what is oh. the tool they're using in order to get it that small? I believe a lot now is like using photons in order to get uh, the new smaller chips, but. I mean, it's very, it's very like challenging thing to do. I mean, those semiconductor plants are like super valuable and mm. need to be basically like fully uh, clean from exterior inputs. Like the, yeah. the one in Taiwan is like insane. Allegedly, that one like outputs ninety two percent of the uh, global uh, advanced semiconductors. Yeah. Which um, is why if if uh, China invades, it's going to be uh, most likely you'll have to turn in your phone, unfortunately, because yeah. the government's going to need all them chips. It's going to be <laughs> rough. It's going to be a tough time. That was a that was allegedly a concern. Um, yeah, allegedly uh, TSM uh, Taiwan Semiconductor has uh, a plan if uh, if uh, like Xi, Jinping, Xi Jinping's are uh, the uh, what is it the um, Chinese something party? Uh, what is it called? Chinese Communist Party. It's Communist Party. Yeah, yeah. the People's Army or whatever. The People's Liberation Army. Yes, yeah. that's the one. Yes. Uh, if it, the allegedly the plan is if they invade Taiwan is to just bomb the plant and make it be like all right nobody's getting these semiconductors because they because oh. I mean that is like one of the bigger reasons that Taiwan is kind of like such a hot topic is like mm. that semiconductor plant is like a major industry uh, ploy at the moment. Yeah. Dang, I mean, that's kind of why they're trying to build this Intel plant in uh, in uh, Ohio is, is to build like more U.S. based uh, uh, semiconductors. But 
it's more or less 10 years out so that's what i've heard does it take that long to build that kind of factory like it's very advanced technology i would assume so I mean, I, I, that just seems astonishing. I don't know, like, how long does it take to build right. anything? You know, like, <laughs> maybe, maybe that is, like, an over-exaggeration by, uh, you know, bureaucracy or whatnot, mm. but um, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that does kind of seem like it's the vibe of, like, we'll allocate enough money so that this can work for 10, like, go on for 10 years, and less of, like, this will take 10 years. Like, yeah. it's more just like, oh, yeah, yeah, facilitate 10 years so right. it can give you money. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then they finish it in nine years. Like, well, we got to make sure everything is, you know, put together right. I mean, I don't know. The Tesla Gigafactories took, like, significantly less time to build, and they're, like, insane. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the one in Texas is, like, the biggest factory in the world right now. It's really it's fucking ginormous. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I think that one is either four or eight times the size of the Fremont factory where all of the Tesla vehicles were built out of for like a decade. So wow, it's uh, it's a very big factory. Yeah, um, I've been to the Nevada one, which is also like massive in scale, and that one is like I think thirty percent done. Like the majority of that factory isn't even built. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like. Um, I don't know, like, how long does it really take? Is it just, it probably is more or less bureaucracy at hand. Yeah, I was like, play. is it a fucking pyramid? Like, what is it? <laughs> what is it that's so hard to build about these things? I mean, I know they're very, yeah, they're very clean, very precise. Like, just like that's the, the, the vibration that, yeah. alone is like, you have to keep it down to like no vibration. Yeah, like, because yeah. it's like, the, just this, the tininess of everything is in like, what, nanometers or some shit? Yeah, no, like it's that. very small. It's very small. Uh, I, I believe as well, like, pressure changes from thunderstorms cause the plants to shut down normally. Wow, because like the uh, the yeah the interior pressure of whatever they're using to uh, to build the the chips, uh, like ex- ex- uh, exterior pressure changes from thunderstorms will allegedly impact that, and they'll have to shut down the plant, hmm. or at least the the the, the uh, actual assemblies. Okay, so what it's like cool. it's cool. It's 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 very it's very niche. Like yeah, it, it, you can make a lot of money by being somebody that works on that, but it's a very like niche field for sure. I mean, what is what is your niche? Like, what what are you looking to uh, do right now? I don't really have one to be honest. Uh, my my professor that I work with for research kind of like. Uh, he said, like, you should probably try to specialize. I'm like, eh, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, it's it's maybe a, a weakness, but I, I see myself kind of going more in the direction of, like, uh, project management in the future. Mm. Um, honestly, I've kind of, like, toyed with basically, uh, besides civil engineering, most types of engineering. Like, I've done, like, mechanical design. I've done, um, obviously, electrical. Like, anything electrical I'm pretty good at. Um, mm. And then I've also done the software side of things. So it's, like, I understand kind of the point of view of all these engineers, and I think, like, my biggest strength would be to go, like, the managerial uh, yeah. part management side. Um, ideally, like, technical at first. Um uh, and that could really, I mean, I hope that's facilitated in really any type of industry. I could totally see myself like working really in anything. Um, and I think I've kind of like built my repertoire around that. Like a, a lot of the projects I've done are pretty multidisciplinary and multi, uh, um, uh, specialty. Like mm. there's, there's not really anything that I'm like, I guess power you could argue cause I've like worked in that industry for a year and like I've done a bunch of power stuff, but like. Um, I, I don't really see myself specializing in anything in particular besides like what I'm working in at that time. Okay, and then Neuralink is a, a possibility. Definitely, yeah, definitely something I'm very interested in. What is what is your take on? Would you get one? Um, it would depend. Uh, I think the initial the initial goals of it are very uh, altruistic and good. Uh, mm. I, I think my, so personally, like my mom has some like neurodegenerative uh, illness that. Mm. Um, like is impacting her ability to like move very cohesively. So I find their initial goal of being able to give the ability to walk to people that are paralyzed, very, very meaningful to me. I find that as something that mm. like, you know, even if it's not me directly bringing an impact to my mother in the next like couple of years, which I is like doubtful, mm. uh, frankly. 
Um, if it's something that, you know, in a decade, I can work on something that allows for, you know, giving people the ability to walk again, like that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like that goes back exactly to what I was saying about like having something that's purposeful and impacts people that you don't even know. Um, that is something I find very valuable. And I find, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not like, normally it's not a perfect company. I mean, like the, the, the I think the biggest thing you could point to is like the case of, um, like, I mean, PETA wants to like say that there's like animal cruelty mm. in their um, in their UC Davis lab um, when they were doing uh, tests on bonobos, um, but I, I more of see it as like an unfortunate result of like just like testing like animal testing. Um, they were doing like implants on the animals and like mm. they were like kind of scratching it out of their head and stuff on a few uh, in a few of the cases. Mm. Um, but you know, I mean, you, if you want this thing to be a viable technology that benefits humanity you probably want to make sure it works first. And, you know, if it doesn't work, that's going to happen, like, realistically. Yeah. Um, it's not a good look, for sure. I mean, it definitely is a very negative one. Um, but I think in large part, it's, it's like, a company with good direction, good morals. Um, I, I find its goals very altruistic and good. Uh, it's something that I'm interested in. I think the long-term uh, uh, timelines are very interesting, too, and their long-term goals, like, uh, I mean... Uh, you know, eventually telepathic communication. I think the ability to basically think at the speed of a computer is very interesting mm. and possibly enhances the uh, human ability. I mean, I, I think it honestly kind of directs humanity into the direction of immortality, more or less, because it's like yeah. you're able to, if you're able to think quicker, you're basically able to perceive at a slow, at a faster rate, which means that time is kind of getting dilated and you're able to actually live longer in that sense. Like you're experiencing mm. life longer. I find that valuable. Um, and I, the one thing I kind of is in the back of my head, I don't know if you've ever seen Star Trek at all. Uh, have you by chance? Not, not right. too much. No. Uh, in, uh, the, in the series, The Next Generation, they have this uh, species called the Borg, which is kind of this like, uh, like computer collective of species that get assimilated into this like uh, robotic collective of beings. Mm. And I definitely do see that as like an issue with this type <laughs> of technology. If like we all just become one collective being, uh, and then we just kind of lose our humanity. Is That is probably, frankly, my biggest concern with it. I know a lot of people in the short term are concerned with the security issues. Like, if you get yeah. hacked, like, your brain gets hacked. Yeah. That's not really that good. Or, like, ads you can't turn off. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. you're, like, hearing Spotify in your sleep. <laughs> um, yeah, like, stuff like that is... I mean, those are, those are viable concerns, for sure. Um, I am more worried about the very long-term effects of, like, do we just lose our humanity because we're controlling, like you know, neurotransmitter outtake, we're controlling how we think, we all just become one being, we become too analytical mm. and, and less uh, less biological, which I think is beneficial in some extent. I think that rids us of the uh, want to like kill one another for no reason <laughs> or kill each other based on yeah, like sexual good. partners. Like that's, that's just stupid. Like frankly, war in general is kind of stupid. Mm. Um, it, it, it's just very like it's very like I mean, we got velcro out of it though like come oh, on oh yes oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I mean we also got the technology for the iPhone based on like space travel and less on like I mean I guess that is pseudo building like mm, technology for missiles yeah <laughs> <laughs> thanks Von Braun <laughs> but it, I don't think that war has to be like a facilitator for technology uptake I think you know that money could just be put into other aspects to do that the same goal yeah I mean kind of going into that I'm kind of worried or not necessarily worried, but curious as like, like if we're able to 
achieve immortality because I don't know that that's possible really with Neuralink but like if you're saying oh maybe we can upload consciousness which then comes into the question of like how do you know that that's like a person in there right. still and not a computer I don't think that's really a great idea to be honest no. I'm less of on the the idea of uploading consciousness I'm more of the we should be able to like think quicker and perceive mm. quicker but I think it is good to have a fine a, a finality to life, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, what would it be like? That just it just seems epic, like the last human to die yeah. or like the last human. Like, like this is like. Somebody imagine, will definitely do it. Like, what if they just shut off the taps? Like, this is all the people. We're done. <laughs> we're not making any more, but we're not getting rid of anybody else. Like, you know, deal with what you got. And that's kind of curious, but also like. If we became computers, like, would we just be going around just harvesting energy, like, sort of like a Skynet, but, like, we're right, just yeah. going and just eating suns and, like... Right, the Dyson Spheres, yes. Like, are we, is, is that all we would do, just expand infinitely? Yeah, which is kind of what my concern would be about becoming something like that. And that is basically what the Borg and in, in, uh, in Star Trek, like, are in that series. It's like they're just going to different planets and absorbing the population mm. uh, with basically just the idea of, like, again, becoming this massive... Uh, you know, constructed network of beings, and you know, there, there's a trade. There, there is like concern on that. I mean, like, what's the point? Yes, exactly. And I was, gonna, I was gonna kind of actually say that, but like, uh, my, uh, my kind of like more or less like the thing I find the most valuable in life is like the ability to experience things. And it's like if your experience is just fully analytical, I don't think that is good. I think that it, I think that kind of does rid the purpose that is like more interesting. But what if you could like just sit in your virtual world and just experience everything? True, from true, your true. Couch. Yes, yes. It's a good just balance. Metaverse eh? your brain away. Yeah. You know, it's a good critique of that of that opinion. Because <laughs> I mean, like that would I guess solve the problem of all the extra workers. Like just put them on their couch and just let them experience you know a five sub for the next twenty years. Right. I mean, that really is the uh, the Wally story. Yeah. yeah. Everyone just doing. Exactly. On the machines. Like, I guess we need the death to make life beautiful. I think so, yeah. Make it philosophical. No, I think that the finality allows for you to actually do interesting things and not be like, oh, I can just do it later. Mm. Like, that is the biggest concern is, like, you will just put off doing cool things or impactful things because you can just do it later. I mean, what would you do in the meantime, though? Like, do it later? Immortality? Yeah, like, okay, you're saying I'll do it later, but what are you doing now, then? Like, I, I'm not, like, that critique I don't totally understand. Like, mm, interesting. Like, are you saying, like, oh, I would sit on the couch and, like, enjoy the TV show now, and then I'll go and, you know, work on solving world hunger Right, later. that's an interesting point. Yeah, maybe I would just be the same, honestly. <laughs> maybe <laughs> if I was immortal, I'd still behave the same way. I don't know, but there's kind of, like, I, I would imagine that the majority of, like, the majority of um, driving factors for people is kind of, like, I want to achieve something in some regard. Like, I want mm. to become this, do this, and, the f uh, you know, have a good life for my children is kind of this idea that eventually it's over. And I think that, you know, if it's not very, like, consciously available that that is the case, I do think that's a very subconscious and, uh, you know, evolutionary thing that we do consider that. Like, we're like, mm. I need to achieve all these things now or else it won't happen. Um, maybe you're a little bit less risk, of like, you're more risk averse. Like, you don't want to take as many risks as you're like, oh, like, why would I do this thing that's, that has high upside but very low chance of being successful if I can instead just, you know, keep going about doing this for now and then mm. maybe eventually when I'm when I'm older because I have, you know, an infinite time. Like, 
when you're older, yeah, yeah, yeah. ten thousand years older or something. Yeah, like is that, that? I mean, like that—that that is kind of like the concern of that. And I mean, other thing too is that you'll probably just get bored after a bit, like of being immortal. Yeah, I mean, like, what else can you do? Like, if you had a thousand years to live, I mean, I don't know, because I'll walk around the library. I'm like, nobody can know all this stuff. Like all uh, those books, yeah. it's like you'll never be able to like get all of this in your brain. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, unfortunate thing is that people that even do read so many stories and. I mean, I have family members that, like, when they pass, I'm like, damn, such a wealth of knowledge that is now just gone. Like, mm. that, that person had all this, you know, had their experiences, had this bank of knowledge from books they've read, um, you know, has their own personality, and that is now gone. And I think, you know, it, I, in one aspect, it's very sad, but I also think it is kind of, like, poetic and, and, and needed because it does kind of allow for you to appreciate the day-to-day. But if we could collectivize, if we could sync all our brains <laughs> together... Then we all have it immediately. Then we all, <laughs> yeah, we all have all the knowledge, but that kind of leads to like maybe if we have like the strong man Elon with the controls, the the main computer, right, right, right. he you could fully utilize humanity, like utilize all the knowledge. If so, or like maybe there's you know the artist who's like they make the best music, but they didn't have the like they couldn't sell themselves right, and so like nobody would hear it, but like you know that's actually what the people need right now so you would right. be able to locate right. them right. and like like it, it just the the resource management the logistics which seems to be like that is one of the biggest problems just in general is mm-hmm. not just having the right stuff but putting the right stuff in the right place yeah and i think you know it's really i think frankly i like it, my opinion on this isn't going to i mean i honestly don't even have a like succinct opinion on this i think mm. it's something that will need to just be like discussed openly and this is also where i kind of think that like the idea of uh, bringing that to what we were talking about earlier, like the collectivist mindset, is maybe not as beneficial because, like, the collectivist mindset maybe rushes into something like this, thinking we just need maximum output, so let's put all of our resources into this, make a collective consciousness, and you know, just keep building or expanding. And maybe that's not really what's like that's not really a great goal, perhaps. Mm. I mean, maybe it seems like it for short term gain, but maybe like we lose our humanity in that aspect, and that's something that's more likely to be openly discussed and debated in the U.S. and I think and possibly other parts of the world. And I think, again, like as much as maybe we're not in like the peak of the United States culture or whatever and like mm. just in like the best time, I do still think, especially think in the future, like we will have like a culture like this will have a very important place in kind of discussing those issues and kind of making decisions based on them. I think it'd be like it sounds like a good movie idea, like <laughs> like the sort of the religion of the people who like join the neural link versus like fight, yeah. <laughs> like the regular like the primals. Should I should make that movie? Yeah, <laughs> right. that, like just the the amount of money or like I guess it would be an interesting interaction. Like you have to deal with like like we still have the regular people, but then every once in a while you have like a Borg walking around and you're yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, he's like a Borg, <laughs> but like you still get to use them and like interact with them. Like, I, I don't know. I I mean, maybe in the future, it would be tempting, too. Like, you know, they promise, like, oh, at the very least, we'll give you bliss. Like, we can literally just press the bliss button on your brain. Dopamine, yeah. That's yeah. also actually one of the bigger concern areas I, I have on the technology as well. Um, frankly, just neuro, 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 uh, neurotransmitter regulation in general is kind of a concern for mm. me. Um I mean, this kind of goes back to this goes back to like SSRIs and uh, antidepressants and Adderall. Um, mm-hmm. you're, you're very much like kind of toying with the brain, and maybe in a way that you that we don't actually frankly understand. Like mm. we're just viewing the exterior outputs, but I don't think we really understand what's going on mm. uh, when it comes to these substances. And 
you know, if you're just taking away the pill but doing it more directly and then you kind of, I mean, maybe there's a benefit that you can monitor it better and, like, do more better things for it. Mm. I think in the short term that won't be the case. I think, frankly, yeah. like, in the short term before we realize the long-term effects and stuff like that, it's going to be kind of the Wild West. You jailbreak your Neuralink and <laughs> it's just, like, you're doped out all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's a story from, I believe, the maybe 40s or 50s where um, – this woman had had an implant into her brain. I think it was for pain relief initially. Yeah, I heard um, about that one. Yes, it like bridged with where uh, the part of her brain that caused her to orgasm. And uh, oh, maybe I heard a different one. Okay, I don't know. mind that. <laughs> uh, basically, yes, they they were attempting to have it so that she would press a button and it would stimulate the part of her brain that released, I believe, norepinephrine, which is like the uh, pain relief uh, neurotransmitter in the brain. Mm. Um, and it instead bridged, well, I think I think it probably did both realistically, but it also bridged uh, and caused her to have an orgasm every time she would press this button. Um, and basically what uh, what occurred after that is she was pressing this button like 50 times a day. Mm. And um, she was like, you need to remove this from me. But then also anytime they would try to remove it from her, she would like viciously attack the doctors because mm. it's like, I mean, yeah, frankly, that's, a ve- I mean, it's very much, it's very similar to like substance abuse. Like you are chasing this high. Um, and as much as you're like, my life sucks now because of this, you also will be like, fuck you, I need to have this. Like, mm-hmm. don't take this away from me. Like, this is my life at this point. And I'm decently, that is like, th- those are the several concerns I have with the technology. I think that like the future ability instead of like, you know, cell phones have brought about like rapid porn use. But I think mm-hmm. that this is more of like, yeah, the ability to orgasm whenever is mildly a concern. Like, frankly, <laughs> that, that is like not really a societal benefit, to be honest. I, I frankly think that like, I mean, the sexual urges is good. Is like an interesting thing for like relationship building amongst people. Mm. But I frankly think that like some of those urges are kind of like stuff that we really shouldn't hyper focus on. Like mm. I mean, again, especially stuff that like is result like will result in violence based on these uh, urges. I think is like stuff that like humanity should evolve beyond and use more analytical thinking to kind of like avoid that. Like you know, I mean, whatever, like you, you can fill in the examples there, but I think it's it, like f- hyper focuses on these biological urges is, mm. is kind of like disappointing to be honest. We're, we've kind of gotten to a point where we're more analytical and thinking and to still have individuals that like make very poor analytical decisions based on, you know, the chance for sexual partners or something is like, come on, man, like we <laughs> should, we should be better than this. I, and I also kind of feel the same way about war. It's like, that is just a short term, uh, like benefit for like more territory or resources mm. and we should kind of be like straying away from that and luckily I, I think in large part we kind of are I think frankly the more recent conflicts are more of just like the anomaly amongst the recent uh, concerns I mean there's not there's not really like there's still like pretty atrocious wars that do happen but we don't really get like super uh, impactful ones in the west as much anymore and I hopefully mm. think that will kind of impart on the, the world as a whole in the future I mean, well, with the war thing, I I think, especially in America, we've kind of forgotten what it's like, at least. Because, like, what? The yeah, it's maybe dangerous. I think that, frankly, is kind of dangerous. Like, because, you know, since, like, what, Vietnam was the last, like, thing where the draft was a possibility. Right. Like, Iraq and Iran were, you know, they, they are happening. It was but, just distant. Yes. Yeah, it's distant, and it's not really, like, we don't need to be over there, really. I mean, we need to be in Vietnam, either. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I frankly think that that is impacting people's opinions on this Ukraine war. Some people are a little bit too hawkish mm. and don't really, I don't think, frankly, understand what they are kind of, like, insinuating by their 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 actions and their talking points. Yeah, they don't know what war is. They're just like, yeah, we're going to go fight them. And then once they get there, they're like, oh, wow. They're like, we need, is... we, yeah, we need to be adversarial to Russia. And it's like, 
yeah, I mean, unless we all get nukes and then it, none of it even mattered, like, come on, like, put this into some perspective. Um, it's none of our, well, it's none of our business, I guess. Like, it's... I think, we're, I think we're doing a decent job right now, but I am worried that, like, pushing Russia into a corner is not really great. Like, yeah, there's not really a place for diplomacy. Are you look, looking at the... the oh, I just enjoy reading the uh, the audio signatures oh, on those. Where are we at, Tom? Okay. Really? So, sorry that I've been kept looking over that. Yeah, I just enjoy I was, looking at that. Well, yeah, sorry, <laughs> I've been uh, doing that more since I've been DJing. Like, I've been like, oh, the audio signatures look so fun. <laughs> yeah, what is... So, uh, what what is the audio signature for? Like, you're just like, oh, okay, I can see this. Is oh, like I just the, like looking at, like, the amplitudes and seeing kind of, like, how... You your voice kind of correlates with stuff on there. Mm. It's just entertaining to me. And then, uh, like in music, just seeing like you can re- you can ver- you can understand like when the bass is about to drop based on like huge spikes in the amplitude. I find that just entertaining. Huh? It's it's it's, it's good. It's easier to like beat match and, and kind of like understand how the how songs will correlate to one another too when you do that. Are you? Are you like a um, crafter of EDM or? I want to do that eventually. Uh, Toby, uh, who's one of the who's the uh, prodev chair for IEEE, is mm. significantly better than me. Actually, mm. very extraordinary. He, he, I hope he does it more and like releases more music because he's actually very good at crafting. Mm. Uh, I'm more currently on the side of just like mixing songs together, which I enjoy that a lot too. Just like songs that have already been made and then. Uh, uh, messing with the audio of those, mm. I find a lot of fun. So is like because I remember a middle school dubstep was <laughs> yes. the thing. Is this not just dubstep still? Uh, I mean, I enjoy dubstep in moderation. I, I enjoy dubstep at festivals in, in moderation. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I frankly like don't uh, go overboard with the dubstep. Well, when, when, it, when it comes to like electronic <laughs> music, there's a lot of different genres. Um, House and I mean, I frankly the the genre I put at the bottom of my tier list is certainly techno. Like mm. I find techno very simplistic and kind like, of boring, like the German kind of. That's more of like house, like that's like deep house is what I would refer to. Like uh, if you have like a steady beat undertone and minimalistic, I like yeah German house, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like I also would put it decently low. I like more um, my favorite types of genres is big room and progressive house. Um, which those are more like, you know, uh, big bass drops and then like a lot of like singing in the choruses. Mm. Um, I find those to be the best. Uh, and then dubstep kind of like fits into that. Um, I find Grizz very interesting. He is a artist where uh, he does like funk dubstep or like funk step, uh, where it's basically like jazz. Uh, he plays like saxophone and trumpet and then has uh, hip hop artists and then does like dubstep drops. Insane. Like oh. honest, honestly ridiculous artists. Like his music is very good, but I, I would not play that like at a house party. Like I would play that at like a festival ideally um one dude did play that at like a at a uh at a, in an alleyway in Gainesville and I was like oh let's go yeah. <laughs> uh but uh like big room and and, and like uh, like TSO style of music I find uh, like that's kind of probably my favorite like just stuff that makes you jump up and down and like dance and then uh house music is also pretty entertaining too that's more of like if you're gonna be partying for like eight hours house is probably like a good sustainable music because it's more of just like 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 dancing vibe less of like jumping up and down like high energy huh because i in my mind it's just like electronic music like this oh, is it's very fair that was me for a bit too this <laughs> is all one thing because i i'm more like jump around like right, i'll yeah. dabble in like the the country or like i enjoy a lot of different genres too but i think i think that's sort of like the modern just the modern wave like i think most people now aren't Listen really only one genre true i agree like most people go around but I don't know, like, where, where do we go from here? Because, like, we, we, there's a lot of uh, referencing in, like, you know, just sampling, stuff like that. That's sure, growing yeah. popularity. And so now we're just using old songs in the new songs in uh, a different way. What is the next, you know, we, we've, we've got rap. We have unlimited possibilities with electronic mm-hmm. music. 
where do we go? Do we just go back to just like <laughs> solos, like just singing nothing else? Or like, uh, I mean, I think we probably won't know. I do think these people that kind of like do genre defined music are the most interesting because they kind of are doing that thing. Like someone like Grizz, I frankly think, uh, I don't know if you've have you ever heard of Rufus the Soul by chance. Mm. They're like kind of like an indie electronic band, but like very hard to like pinpoint their genre. And I find groups that are like that to be the most interesting because they're kind of like, even though they're like facilitating their work through the similar practices of like just electronic production, mm. um, their direction and inspiration to other groups I find very interesting because that's going to be who inspires the next genre of music. Um, and, you know, I find that more interesting than like industry plants that are just like rehashing old practices and blueprints for music. Like that stuff's mm. all right. But it's kind of just like super generic. I mean, I think that's where we are a lot with just culture in general right now. Like rehashing, a yeah. lot of rehashing going on. Uh, we might just be in a phase. I don't think that's going to be permanent. I think we're in a phase. Like, I hmm. think maybe in movies currently, but I eventually think Hollywood will low key uh, not succeed doing that and will fail. Yeah, frankly. yeah. It's <laughs> like who wants this? Like, yeah. is everybody? I, I personally see that as being the case. I think it's also the same with uh, like mainstream media. They they're facilitated currently in their current form, but eventually the demand is going to require uh, it to go in a different direction. And I think mm. Hollywood is kind of putting themselves in the same hole where they are making stuff that is not going to be interesting for the consumer. Mm. And I, I frankly think that's where, like, the focus is too much on what the suits and the focus groups want and less of, like, what does the population find interesting. Um, I do think the hyper-focus on, like, Marvel movies is kind of, like, Concerning because yeah. they are just kind of like that's kind of like yes. What is maximum dopamine, minimum like yeah. uh, risk, like max risk aversion for making films? But um, I think Matt Damon had recently said how like it's harder to make these more like niche films because they're too much of a risk for the studios. Yeah, yeah, because they don't make the DVD money anymore. That's what it was. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what he said. Um, but I think I, what I kind of envision is a possibility, or maybe it's going to be something that is like you know not currently in the realm of our knowledge, but. Uh, I think that you know more consumer-based movies will be something that comes about more like if you if you're able to supply and distribute more on the individual basis and you make stuff that just like people find cool and then it just distributes at large like you know similar to kind of how like TikTok and Instagram and stuff it's like the popular things get the most attention maybe that will eventually be the case with movies like people will be able to film stuff on their own. Uh, you know, get really cool ideas and just put in a lot of time and effort to make something really cool and then that's distributed at large and becomes a cult classic from the ground up mm. rather than from uh, these these big industries. But I don't know, that's obviously hard to do as well, but maybe you can make it so that anybody can do this massive CGI effort and then you don't even need the massive budgets for these anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's a possibility for sure. Yeah, it seems like, yeah, there's a big barrier to entry just with making any kind of film, especially something that's going to be like an hour to two hours long. Like that... That's gonna be like a million dollars is like a small amount for a movie. Oh yeah, for like sure. That. Yeah, like it's like they nothing. Put so, they put way too much money in these movies. But like, I mean, well, like TikTok now, you know, people make these things. I mean, yeah, they put for money free, into basically. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but like, what what are your thoughts on TikTok? Do you do you TikTok? Do uh, you, I, I do not have a TikTok. No. no, I mean, I know a lot of people like or like uh, consume. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't, I don't have one. I don't consume. Uh, no. I don't have the app. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I know a lot of people. Uh, have the opinion that like the Chinese uh, ownership of TikTok is a concern to them. Mm. Uh, that's less of my like case. I mean, that is like not necessarily uh, wholeheartedly like yeah. uh, like I'm not like oh that's good like that's the yeah, really bye bye. <laughs> uh, but uh, more of I don't want something that's like incredibly addicting. And, and honestly, frankly, just having Instagram is kind of like a stretch for me. Like it kind of is like pretty addicting for me mm. to use that and and. 
I would prefer if my time was more used for more beneficial things at, t- at points, and I, I think I would just be like indulging even further into that negative mm. aspect. It is it, it is a drug of sorts, basically. Like, yeah, like very short term dopamine, yeah. But it's but it's not even like they're not putting anything in you. Like it's all like a psychological drug. That is really curious. Like, is there a way like? I don't know. Like when you, I, 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 I'm just thinking about it. It's almost like when you see like a hot chick mm-hmm. and like you get that kind of like some kind of release in your brain. Right, right. Like just those sort of shapes. Yeah. Just yeah. like all it is is just visual. Maybe she's got a British accent. You're like, oh, hello. <laughs> like it's, you got the audio going in too, but it's, it's weird how like don't doesn't even have to touch you, you know, and it can give you that. I mean, it's very interesting. Release. Like, it's very similar to what you're kind of saying. It is kind of built into more or less the human evolutionary benefits there, like that structure. Um, allegedly, social media outlets uh, take a lot of their design from like casinos. Like, they take a lot mm. of the methodology behind how their platforms work there in the short term dopamine yeah. uh, boost. They take a lot of it from there, and it's kind of why it's like I mean, it's basically like similar to a slot machine, realistically, like yeah. pretty colors on your on your feed, <laughs> like shit like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, same thing with like you're kind of referring to like yeah, finding uh, attractive individuals out in public. I mean, that that is a like that is an evolutionary thing of you to be like uh, increase arousal based yeah. on like seeing stuff like that because it's like She's oh, so possible mate, yeah, and then, uh, <laughs> and then kind of like the more casino side of things, it's like food. That's kind of like the same as like food reward thing that is like uh, hard to achieve. Um, is that what it is? Because, like, yeah, going into the casino is kind of mm. the same vein. Like, I don't totally understand. I mean, that is kind of what like, it is. Like, you 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 fail a good amount of times, but then you get the one win, and you're like, oh, my God, yes! Yeah. And then that's kind of like, it just con- continues to try to, like, you got that one rush of, of high, and then you have to keep trying to go at it again. Unfortunately, with casinos, though, they're built into... Uh, Especially slot machines. I mean, come on, man. It's, it's literally something they design. Like, yeah. You don't think they're going to build those rigged? Yeah. Uh, I can understand card games a little bit more because you kind of can like, understand the math behind it. But, like, mm. dude, it's a slot machine. It's, just, it's all probability based on what they put in. Yeah, they program it. They yeah. literally program a hit rate. Like, yeah. it's, e- it's, even if even if they are winning a probability of 51% to 49%, they're making massive amounts of money because mm. you are outputting so much in there. It, I mean, I don't know the specific numbers, but, like, it, yeah. it's just built in. It makes sense that these com- these uh, casinos are going to fuck you. Like. Well, I mean, yeah, you walk and you look around, everything's made of marble, you have fountains, and you're like, I wonder where they got all this money from. <laughs> oh, yes, I'm sure they're not getting money from the, it must be from all the drinks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. That is why, I mean, that is why they give, like, free drinks to people. One, it, it kind of inebriates you that you stay at the table all night, but mm. secondly, it's like, they have enough money to do this, like, they don't really care. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's peanuts compared to what you're going to be wasting there. Yeah, I think you guys, uh, briefly on that episode of Mui, also talked about, like, Vegas being a scam, but yeah, it's, it's kind of yeah. scam. <laughs> I mean... Like I Vegas is a party. Listen, <laughs> yeah, no, going to Vegas, like you're like, oh, this is where debauchery is just okay. <laughs> it's, it's Disney World for adults. Like, yeah, <laughs> everybody except like prostitution's legal, weed's legal. It's a very interesting place. Like <laughs> it's like why they, uh, we all just agreed. And if you look at it, like there's nothing out there. Like it is literally just in the desert. Right, yeah. Like oh, as soon there. As you get, <laughs> yeah, it's a shithole. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> it is very warm when you when you pull up there. Very but, dry. I went there in August and I was like, oh, oh, mm. uh, it's that dry heat. That's a different like. Yeah, I enjoy I enjoy a dry cold. A dry heat is rather rough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> See, I, don't, I need my my membranes to be moistened. You Dude, know, I, I hate dry the, out. Like a humid cold here is like horrible. Like it was forty nine the other day here, and I was out running. and I'm like, dude, I'm dying. <laughs> like I, I enjoy like 
Colorado, like 49, and like it's very nice out mm. there at that, that temperature. Yeah, I've never been to Colorado. That does seem like like Rocky Mountain High. It seems beautiful. It's pretty dope there, yeah. But like the prices are like it's not as bad as California. No, <laughs> oh, California's wow. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I think Colorado probably does it one as one. Of, they're one of the better states, to be honest. I think it's like a good. It's a really. For me, I kind of view it as the ideal mix between Florida and California. Mm. It's like you can go and be independent and do your own thing similar to Florida, but you have kind of the more like the benefits of a progressive state of California. California is honestly like it's way too far in one direction. Mm. Um, yeah, honestly, I mean, it sucks because I like I enjoy certain parts of it. I loved living in San Diego for two months, and then the last month I was like, I cannot live in California. Like, why is that? The vibe is just very. It's 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 just too like una una mindset. Like, it's too much of like a machine. Too much of like people wanting to. It was very interesting because I because I went to New York City recently and mm. like. I assumed I was going to have a similar experience where I'm like, I don't like it being super liberal here, um, but I love New York City. I thought it was amazing. I think it was more of like the pacing that I enjoy of New York and not as much of California. Everyone in New York is like the best at what they do. They're working at like a fastest pace, very similar to kind of like how I work here. And in California, it's more of like, how do I achieve uh, the maximum success with the least number of steps? Mm. And less of like it's it, the, the mindset i kind of see out there is a lot of people that are doing the i want a job to facilitate something else which is not really my vibe to be honest mm-hmm. um being out there uh in the covid years has definitely not helped frankly their response is rather extreme mm-hmm. uh especially the bay area like way too much uh, like uh like i mean dude i would walk around without a mask on when like they had no mask mandates and people would just be looking at you like you're the devil mm-hmm. terrible like it's a terrible mindset like yeah. it's, it's a very bad group thing frankly um and i mean the stereotypes you hear about san francisco are very real i frankly think it's one of the few cities that actually kind of nails the stereotypes like <laughs> it's ba- i mean ho- like very reckless homeless encampments rampant drug use rampant crime uh it's very sad because I used to love San Francisco. Like it, mm. when I, I went there, probably before I went in for, uh, when I was fourteen, mm-hmm. um, with my family, and it was like it was like you could kind of see that some of this was creeping up. Like mm. the homelessness thing was pretty bad. The the homeless population was pretty aggressive mm. uh, at that time, and now it's just kind of like it's kind of a shitstorm. The only places that are really good there are the super touristy parts that are on the coastline. Um, the interior of the city is is unfortunately very rundown, mm. and. Um, yeah, I mean, it's very sad to see that. Uh, I don't think it has to be that way, but the current mindset of, of uh, I think, of that area and of uh, that state is kind of driving it that direction, unfortunately. So where is, like, what, what is your sort of, like, tier list, I guess, for states, <laughs> for places to move? Tier like, place. like, uh, I do have a top five currently. Um, not in this order, but Austin, Denver, uh, those are pretty cool, like, Midwestern places. Uh I've never even been to Texas, so I would definitely need to I was visit first. Say, like, I've heard <laughs> Austin doesn't live up to the hype. I've heard people say this. I would like to check it out for myself at some point. I, I think I, I, uh, I'll see. I will try to get out there at some point, but uh, it's on my list. Um, mm. New York City is, is frankly on there. Boston, mm. I, I just visited there. A very epic place. Uh, I'd never been as like an adult, so it was very nice to go there. Very beautiful place. Mm. Um, the, the winters are kind of a concern. But. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's rough up there. And then uh, Miami's probably up there too, but really, um, I, I love Miami. It's cooler to visit, frankly. Yeah, um, it doesn't seem very business forward down there. Yeah, the biggest issue I see is that the tech industry there is more of talk, less of action, mm. which is like cool in aspects, 
but I see it as a mild hindrance for the city. I think it's too much of like, look at these cool things, look at the cool trends. I mean, dude, they were talking way too much about cryptocurrency and NFTs in this last year, mm. which, yeah, I mean, another rabbit hole there. But like, too much on the hype, not enough on the realistic goals of engineering and technology. Mm. Um, but Miami's cool though. Uh, it's just on there. It's like a cool thing. I I love visiting there. Um, yeah, I would visit. I don't think I would stay. It's a very interesting uh, party hub of America. They're in New York. I mean, honestly, frankly, Miami's like the coolest party place. If like if we're gonna be real, like that is the best place to party in the United States. If I'm really, real. I think so. Yeah, I mean, New York's awesome. But yeah. I think uh, I think Miami. I mean, dude, this clubs that are open literally till noon, like, and uh, pretty epic places too. Uh, I think, you know, I mean, just obviously be safe. I think it's more of a concern. Um, I'd say drug use you, is like essential for something like oh, that. Uh, very, very rampant in Miami, <laughs> dude. Honestly, I saw. Uh, um, I, I've been to club space a few times at this point, and every time I go to the bathroom, the uh, everybody everybody needs to go take a poop for some reason. Everyone's mm. trying to go to the, uh, the to the uh, the stalls instead of the urinals. Mm. <laughs> yeah, uh, definitely very uh, rampant usage there, and uh, you know that does come with concern. There was one guy I remember very distinctly. Um, I was pretty drunk to to to, to give uh, good context, mm. but I was pretty mad. This guy like pushed me out of the way. I'm like, "Yo, chill, bro." Uh, I was, and uh, this dude uh, clearly on cocaine uh, got very aggressive at me, and mm. I was like, "All right, let me chill and not get my." Ass. I was also there solo, so I was like, yeah. "Let me not get beat up by five guys yeah. randomly," because <laughs> um, that definitely happens in Miami. There's definitely like the people that are going to be aggressive, reckless partiers. Um, and I think it's it's more of a concern if you're a female, to be honest. Like, mm. I would not go there. Like, I would not do what I just, like, did going there alone. Uh, mm. As a female, you would definitely get taken advantage of, if not trafficked, to be mm. frank. Mm. Um, and, I mean, that's not the best environment. I, I frankly wouldn't raise a family there. I think that would be kind of reckless, to be honest. I mean, but New York City or something like that. I also that, think like... it would be reckless to do it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, the city is, like, is, uh, I would I would consider living there in my like twenties and, uh, and early thirties, I, man, dude, what a rough place to like raise children. Like mm. you're, it, it's good to go there. I think when you're an adult and live there so that you kind of like harden yourself and become more of a realist. Mm -hmm. Um, and also like, you know, being there young with a bunch of young people and a bunch of activities going on is fun. Yeah. Um, but I think if you bring children there, it's like, and you have them living there, they will grow to have a very sh thick, uh, shell, which you know, beneficial in some aspects. Um, you know, the idea of like, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. I think is very real in New York. Mm. Um, but I, I would, it's important to factor in like the concern that you might have over um, like a negative upbringing and the negative effects on your, on your children, to be honest. Mm. So, uh, well, no, please. I was gonna say, so you you've gone to a club like solo. What is that like? Is it is that? I, I'm just curious. An adventure. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it seems like fun, but like personally, like, I <laughs> it's mean, first, it's only first and only time I've done that. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, that was kind of recently too. That was uh, so Dom Dalla, who's like a house DJ, uh, and Dom Bresky were playing in space. Uh, great house DJs. Uh, I don't really mm. like the techno that they play as much at space. So this was like. A big thing, and uh, my friend had gotten a ticket for thirty-seven dollars, and the tickets at the door were two hundred. So, mm. and he was like, "I don't want to go alone," and I'm like, "Well, 
so you took it to me though. <laughs> Don't get rid of that stuff. Right? Uh, so I was like, all right, we're gonna do this. So I just like pre-gamed in Fort Lauderdale, which is where I, where I live. Uh, mm. And then took the bright line down. Uh, I basically, I mean, like realistically, like not to cut corners here. I, I was definitely getting pretty drunk because I was like, if I'm gonna do this alone, like I, I need to be yeah. like in the zone and just like dancing. Like there's no tomorrow. Um, so it was a lot of fun, honestly. Like I had a great time. Uh, the music, ideally, uh, was it was really good music, which kind of was like the main factor. If it was bad music, I would have been like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Mm-hmm. Like, there's no way I would have stayed for. I mean, I was there for a while, like probably eight hours. I think I left at eight, 8 a.m. for, for the bright line back. Yeah, my legs were like cramping when I was leaving. I was like, oh my God. Yeah, I was going to say, bro. I should have just Ubered back instead of taking the Bright Line. But the Bright Line's clutch, though. I hope it comes up here eventually. I was going to say, I don't know anything about the Bright Line. Is that. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it it goes uh, from like West Palm Beach to Miami right now. Uh, Eventually, it's supposed to come up here, though. Is Fort Lauderdale over there? What, what yeah, Fort Lauderdale is like the middle stop. It's between West Palm and Miami. What fort am I thinking of that's like over on the, uh, the Fort West Myers. Coast? Oh, uh, okay. That's the one that got hit by the hurricane. Correct. Right? That is the one that got oh, wrecked. Okay. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately. Yeah, I was, uh, the other day I was saying, I was like, yeah, RIP Fort Lauderdale. I was like, oh, <laughs> I guess not. Right? <laughs> Everyone's like, what happened though? <laughs> nah, nah, that's unfortunate, but... Uh, but yeah, no, I think uh, on like I mean it's an interesting environment. I, I frankly think that like it takes a lot of like mental fortitude to go do something like that alone. To be honest, like yeah, would you it, do that again? Yeah, probably. I, I would do it again. It, it it took a lot out of me. Basically, the whole next day, I'm like in bed. Like yeah. Um, but for the right for the right venue and artists, I mean, I, there's probably not many more times I'll do that in my life. But like. It was really cool. Like I had a, I had a really fun time. Uh, afterwards, I was beat, like super beat. Like mm. I was just down atrocious. But, um, you know, for the right artist, I would do it again. You know, danced with fun people, had a good time. Um, and then you know, the, I mean, it, it, frankly, it's kind of like interesting that it's like the finality of like you'll you can't talk to people about that that have experienced that with you. Like I was mm. the only one on that experience, so it's kind of like fun for that aspect. Yeah, I should have done like a. Uh, like a recording of my journey. I should have been like, <laughs> timestamp 4 a.m. Like, yeah. <laughs> just got almost beat up at the club. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because uh, like going into industry or like leaving college, right? Like I've heard that the social life or like making friends is not the same. It's not as easy. People say that. I, I think if you're in New York, it's probably not that case. You, yeah. I think it's pretty easy to still make friends. Well, I wonder like, yeah, what, like if you just go to a club alone, but you just keep going, like you'll make friends there. For like, sure, yeah. Like yeah. what is it sort of, I'm trying to figure out systems for, right, right, right. for, for getting the social circle like relatively quickly as well. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I think frankly, like less of, I kind of felt this way about like, COVID here, mm. um, the freshman that came that first COVID year, I was like, dude, you, the, I was like, the school is doing a rather big disservice by making these people make all of their social connections at the bars. Cause that was basically what happened that year. Mm. And I, I mean, I know whatever you can look back and like hindsight's 2020, but like at the moment I was also like, this is a huge disservice for these people. You're making them only have social connections from partying uh, that is not a balanced lifestyle. You are making them have connections with people that are going to be at the extreme ends of partying, especially mm. during that time when only those people were going out to go party. Mm. Um, and I think it's also kind of the aspect of like, if you're only going to clubs to make friends, then you're going to like stray to that kind of group of people, which is good to have those friends. Yeah. And it's, it's good to have, you know, friend friends and people that will do stuff that is rather niche to you maybe. Um, but 
it's important to have like a diversity of friends. Like I would say like having a base of people that you meet, like, you know, maybe doing physical activities or going to the gym or um, maybe you meet them at some like fun social activity. Mm. Like that, that, that is good. And probably a better base than like having your base be uh, people that are at clubs all the time. I mean, yeah. clubbing is good in moderation. You, we frankly like should not do that every weekend. Like that would no. be, I mean, it goes back to the excessive drinking side of things. It's like, that's not good for your health. When are you, like, resting if you do that, too? Like, yeah, what, what yeah. is your break? <laughs> I guess, yeah, you take Sunday off. You take Sunday for the hangover. <laughs> but I don't, yeah. I, I, will, I will be real. This weekend is, like, my first break from, like, super intense activities for, like, six weeks. And mm. it's been so good. Like, I've, I've needed this rest so bad. Mm. Like, I mean, I don't, I like... Uh, for me, I've always had the opposite where it's like, all right, we got to start getting things going. We got to start, you know, getting into the grind set, getting into that kind of like, you know, every day we're going all the time sort of situation. And it's very like just kind of getting the wheels turning. There's a lot of inertia like holding against it. And I, I don't. It's very, I, hard, it's very it's, hard for a lot. I mean, and you know, even for me too, but like, um, rapidly changing like your, your routine is mm. like not easy. And it's and it's easy to slip back in the sure, yeah. You're like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go to the gym every day this week, and yeah, then yeah. like six a.m. comes, you're like, yeah, not today. Maybe next tomorrow we'll start or something true, like that. True, true. It's important. I think one of the biggest things is really like recovery and rest. Mm. Is like especially when it comes to the gym or just like again having an idea of like when you go out till two a.m. drinking, like understanding how that's going to impact you is important. Like not just thinking like, oh yeah, I'll be able to go to the gym at 6 a.m. after being out till like 4 a.m. Like, yeah. Like have realistic expectations and adjust accordingly. I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've found myself sometimes like there's a party the night before and then I got a meeting yeah. at 8 a.m. and I'm like, I can do it. I'm young. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then you wake up and it's 10 a.m. You're like, oh no. Oh no. <laughs> Like, oh, that is the worst feeling. Like, yeah. when you know you're about to get chewed <laughs> out, you're like, oh, so, so why didn't I wake up? Why didn't I? No, but I think, yeah, going back to, like, the people that you associate with, like, have you heard the whole, like, you are the combination of your five closest friends? Didn't, uh, what was it, Andrew Tate, like, say that? Like, <laughs> no, no, that's been, I mean, he might have <laughs> mentioned it. I think he it. did say that, but, it, I, but it's bad that that's, like, the yeah, only recognition. No, that. yeah, I heard that back, like, before Andrew yeah, Tate was even, like, a guy. But, it, like, sort of kind of curating your circle seems like a, a, a necessary thing, but a little bit, had a, a little psychopathic almost. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, I think it, it makes sense, though. Yeah, like, you're the summation of, like, yeah, five closest friends or whatever. It makes sense, like, because you, you're kind of bouncing ideas off of one another. I mean, I think you still bring your own impact to mm. that, and you probably... I guess it's like you're averaging out everybody's like kind of point of views, but I, don't know, I think it's, uh, it's important to have a good diversity of opinion. Like not only associate with five people, but more mm. like associate with a bunch of different groups of people. I think is very valuable. That's something that I frankly have like tried to do a lot, like and, and make sure to try to do because like you can easily get tunnel visioned into thinking something that if you just took a step back, you would realize it's like not a great way to approach life. Oh yeah. Um, just if you have one circle and you just kind of like that's all that you get involved in like the values that you place on things that don't really matter right like yeah. if you're like in no, a I church agree. group or something and like you're like oh my god the president I want to be the president like blah 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 <laughs> and you're like screwing over all these people and just like you know you just you're not you're not yourself and then you go outside and you like talk to someone and they're like right, who yeah. gives a shit about that two, like, two very valid yes I've noticed this um, quite a bit uh, I think initially the first time I noticed it was in high school um 
I was kind of always the person that was like trying to be friends with a bunch of different people. And mm. there were certain groups that were like, oh, like we hate this person because this is and that. And I'm like, dude, nobody cares about like this petty nonsense. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and now it's even more pronounced for me, especially in college when I see that. I'm like, dude, I don't give a fuck about your like petty nonsense. Like, let's do meaningful stuff and not focus as much on gossip. Like, uh, mm. gossip and, and, and hating on people for like just the way they behave. Like, if you if you want to be a real friend to them, like approach them and just like say what you think is like a negative aspect that they're doing, mm. and just like give them reasoning, and hopefully you know maybe you know worst case they just take that in and, and have that as knowledge for themselves, and best case maybe they adjust their course. Um, but like talking behind people's backs and just being an asshole, like who, mm. who who benefits from that? It just hurts yourself, really. Now that is okay. That's a question I've had um, for some of my friends. Like I have this one buddy. And he has this other friend, and they like he hates his friend's girlfriend. Like, <laughs> like he thinks this is a bad situation. And like I've been telling him, like, dude, you gotta say something. Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? You know, like if he's your friend, you know, let him know. But at the same time, he's like, nah, like that's none of my business, kind of thing. Or like he said, like, not my monkey, not my circus. Like I'm not gonna mess with no that. Guy. And like I don't. What is your take on that? Like if you see somebody where you're like. I can't like this isn't my jam like you you gotta let them know yeah I mean it is interesting because it's like which battles do you fight I mean frankly when it's like if I'm gonna burn a bridge by doing something and if it's somebody I don't know super closely I probably will avoid something like that but if it's one of my best friends like if it's, if it's a, if, or even somebody that's close to me like I, if I see something that I would frankly see as negative for me if I was in their shoes I, I I'm pretty like often gonna like approach that and, and, and be and be upfront. Um but let's be realist, I mean there's definitely times where it's like that's not really a battle worth fighting and, and you have to kind of just like settle and not and not bring it up. Um I mean I had a I had a very close friend of mine that was like in a very toxic relationship and me and my friends were always saying like dude you have to break up with this girl. I'm mm. like I, I was we were very upfront with him because like um we, we just saw it as like negatively impacting him and the, I mean yeah I don't want to go into the details but like it, yeah. it's just like it, it like it was it's unfortunate to see something like that that, like, is going to just, like, I mean, if it's for them, if it's, like, something that eats at them, that they're, like, oh, yeah, like, this, my, my girlfriend, like, so this and this and that, and I can't believe that, and it's, like, uh, dude, I'd rather you just, like, focus on more important stuff, less of this trivial stuff, and, like, move on, and I'll be very upfront with people about that, honestly, and some people, like, don't take kindly to that advice, honestly, mm. like, and, you know, I, I don't, I'm not the be-all, end-all, like, it's more, I should be more of, like, a vector for, them to consider and less of like oh Alex told me this so I should do it like I don't have everything right I definitely mm. have like messed up plenty of times in my life and yeah made plenty of mistakes so. <laughs> yeah yeah no like people will come to me like I know some younger people they'll ask me for like academic advice I'm like do not <laughs> ask me like, I do not know I'll give you academic advice right? <laughs> I mean like well, it was, it's, it's their decision at the end of the day though yeah no like I, I've heard it's like rather than telling people what to do just highlight like the options to them and kind of let right. them think about right. it on their own which is good, but it's kind of hard when you're like, this is the right option. Like, <laughs> you don't need to consider that. Like, trust me. Yeah, I, I believe that is how, uh, when, I, when I was, like, uh, going to, like, training for um, the, um, um, my TA role, they mm. were saying, like, if people come up with you asking for advice on, like, professors and stuff, don't give them, like, super specific advice or, like, leaning advice, but more of, like, give them overall advice in the class, like, what are good classes to take. Uh, you know, with one another and which ones are, like, ones you want to avoid taking in conjunction. Mm. And uh, I think that's, like, a good approach for stuff like that where it's, like, I mean, especially if somebody you don't know super well, like, it's better to be more just, like, here are your options. Here is, like, 
ratings for these options kind of make your own decision mm-hmm. and you're like you know i mean even with those two it's going to be like there's a multitude of, of like let's say there's like five factors that you're looking at like easiness of course the most you're going to learn from it like stuff like that uh you can kind of like rank those factors less of just be like yes take this no take don't take that like mm-hmm. vibe. i don't know yeah i guess kind of get, giving people advice is a very like it's a weird position to be in. A mixed bag. Yeah, <laughs> it, that's for sure. I don't know. Like when you see them and they 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 take your advice and they do the right thing, you're like, yes. Like yeah. or like it works out for them. You're like, eh, I'm a genius. Yeah. But then yes, when the like confirmation bias. Well, but when it doesn't work, you're like, oh fuck. <laughs> no, what did I do? Yeah, that's probably been a time or two that that's happened to me. Yeah, yeah. I remember I, there was this one person I was talking to, and they're like, "Oh, I don't know about engineering. Like, this is uh, like, I'm not really sure if I want to do that." I'm like, "You should just, you just got to stick with it. It's hard, I know, but like, you know, it's gonna pan out." And then they switch their major, and they're like, "I'm way happier now. Yeah. Like, this is great." I'm like, "Oh yeah, well, it's good thing you didn't listen to me." Yeah, it's interesting being uh, like seeing all the freshmen kind of come in and seeing like. Kind of like what their points of views are because it's like it's, it's definitely hard to be in like like I, it's hard for me to relate to that at this point as mm. like being so far in the major so it's interesting to kind of see like their what they find interesting like where their project trajectory is mm. um you know certain students that maybe don't care as much about the classes and like I, I mean I guess I'm less like there to help them like figure out a major more of like there to help them figure out can they achieve success in engineering mm. um. Which I think is good. I think that's like valuable, and I, I hope that like I can at least help a few students. I, I mean, my main goal is to kind of make it like a pretty like that class. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like a one credit hour class. It's like not like super core. So I kind of try to make it more of like here's all the cool things you could do in engineering with like mixing with like you know the course requirements but making them fun. I think it's like a good balance for mm. it. Um, but it is. I, I don't know. I look at the freshman. I'm like, wow. That was that was me like four years ago. It is kind of weird. They're very young. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's like I don't know. I uh, part of me is like, oh, like I'm not special to the school. Like they see you, they see you coming and going. Like true, yeah, yeah. Like you know, it's a very real thing. You like I mean, even me. Like I was you know president for two years, and at this point, like I'm my my existence in IEEE is is pretty quickly fading away. Mm. Which is you know I think it's important that that's the case though. You don't really want again going back to the strongman kind of atmosphere it's like you don't want it to be like oh let's idolize this one person like yeah it should be more of like here are opportunities for everybody and everybody imparts their own impact on it less of this is like alex's organization and it's a complete picture of him and a complete reflection of me it really shouldn't be that way it should, it should be more of like you know in the more general sense we were just referring to uh it should be more like everybody's able to use this as an avenue to achieve what they want and kind of like figure out themselves through the journey. Mm. So what would you change about UCF if you had to? Mm, that's a good question. I definitely change the architecture. I, I know y'all were talking about yeah, that too. Yeah, I don't know yeah, why you don't like the architecture. It's all right. <laughs> it's just like Florida. Like it just, it doesn't have any like spirit. It's very like sixties. Like, yeah, I mean, I think the newer buildings are very nice. I think see uh, the opposite. I like the sixties buildings. I like the library. I like Millican hall. I think the engineering building looks like pretty, like the, the engineering one building looks kind of gross. Yeah. 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 And I think engineering two looks nice though. I think it's like, it's a cool structure. 
It's, I mean, but it's it's very much like a, a cancerous kind of design, like like just the way that it like like engineering two just grows off of engineering one, or like I don't know. Yeah, I mean that part's interesting. Like uh, if you look at the floor plan of the library, it's like there's the OG square, yeah, yeah. and then a big cancer on the back, and then oh well, let's put another one right, again. I on see the, what you're saying. Yeah, it's, it's like I don't know. It's not cohesive, and then it's just like. Mm, and I get like layering of time like it right, is you yeah. know you gotta have the old architecture with the new architecture I think the circular structure of the campus is pretty ideal like you get anywhere on campus within 10 minutes I yeah. find very attractive that um, is yeah but I mean the the newer versions of the campus I find pretty similar to like MIT honestly like it's like more modern uh, atmosphere and construction like I, I find that pretty cool I mean obviously MIT has more like a distinct kind of atmosphere to it but uh, mm. I see UF as more of like the Harvard atmosphere which is frankly what I don't really like as much I, when I visited Boston I went to both campuses and like dude Harvard's campus kind of like is whack like it's it's a bit really? too like it's a bit too like elitist like all these gates and stuff and it's like what what's up with this man I, <laughs> MIT's campus was way cooler it was way more open it's right on the Charles River um it, it, it is very beautiful. It's very, again, it's like a modern construction. Um, and I find it way more interesting. I think Harvard is honestly at, at face value. It's just more of like, it's too many people that are in like the, I mean, it's not it's not really a boys club. There's like females in there, but mm. like it's too much of that atmosphere. Um, I understand what it is because it's like, it has the culture of like being the first university and it's very historical in that mm. regard. Um, but I find the more modern campus to kind of be more interesting. Um, but, you know, you can really complain about any school for a multitude of things. I mean, yeah. I was just listening to a Lex Friedman podcast where him and his guests were, uh, like, talking about the, the negatives of MIT. And it's like, dude, like, from our point of view, MIT is, like, mecca. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, you know, wherever you are, you'll be able to find flaws. Uh, I, I do think that UCF is, is going back to your question about, like, what would I change? I mean, I think, I think, it's, I think it's really, like, it's, it's a great place within Florida. Um, it's, it's honest, I mean, in my opinion, it's the best university here. Like you, mm. you can debate that it's, it's Florida, but I really think they're just trying to make things harder for people rather than like actually educating students. And I think the opportunities in the middle of nowhere is not really great. Mm. Um, is cool if you want to go and party, but not really great education. Um, <laughs> this is frankly like the best amalgamation of everything. Mm. Um, a major city helps a lot, but it's also still a, like a, uh, a segregated college town, more or less, like from that city. Yeah, we're not like in the city; we're just right, on the right. side. And uh, I think it has a lot of benefits for that. And I do think it is kind of seen as like the school of opportunity that does. That it's like the school of the overlooked individuals, mm. um, which I think it does have its value. Um, we're a sleeper, like we're just... for sure. Yeah, I think so. Um, we do have those like connections, though, like those kind of like the NASA connections, true. the military connections that are like. I don't think they're like advertised as much as I would. Or maybe they are, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> but like, I, bet you, I didn't even know about UCF until I was like seventeen, which is crazy. Like, I, yeah. I, I think I was like just dumb at a, at a point. <laughs> yeah. I remember. I think I started like knowing who they were when they went undefeated. I was like, okay, cool. Mm. <laughs> I always thought that was like, I was like, don't, please don't say you're national. Yeah, champions. it's cringe as fuck. I was yeah, like, come on. And then, dude, when I was leaving when, the first game of the year, I was like, we have a banner for this. Uh, we have a banner for like every bowl win. I'm like, dude, yeah, get rid of these, please. Yeah. <laughs> Just wait till we win like something good, and then you can put banners up. Like, the I mean, like put put conference titles up. Like that's cool, but like don't be putting like stupid stuff up. Like you don't need to say you won the Fiesta Bowl or whatever. Like, yeah, no one cares. Nobody gives shit. Yeah, I mean, uh, I guess we don't really have like those credentials yet to put up. You know, it's like a freshman resume. Like, right? Oh, I did this in high school. Like, I care about it. I don't know. Frankly, I'd rather them just not like <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess that would be something I would change, but that's kind of like a minor thing. Honestly, I guess 
I, there's, there's still a lot of room that they need to grow in the terms of like the education side of things. Um, I think there's it's, it's pretty good. I think they can still improve, and I think they will um, as they still get just better professors. Um, you know, there's a good foundation there, but I think that's something that, that's probably the most impactful thing that I think they need to still improve on. Mm. Um, and, you know, not discounting the student organizations. I don't think they really did as much. Uh, I think it's like a pretty good kind of balance between the focus on there and everything else. But I could totally see that in the future they can maybe like neglect the student organizations more. And I hope that that just doesn't happen because that's that's really where I see some of the greatest value. So I, I, hope, mm. I hope they like they, they understand that that's the case because if they get into a period where they kind of like fully neglect that, I think that's very bad. But I think, you know, Reza, I think is very, uh, who's the EC chair and then, uh, the, the current Dean have been doing a really good job at, at putting the proper spotlight on the student orgs. Mm. I was going to say like, what are some of the problems you've had with that? Like, I haven't really had many. Uh, some people have like concern, uh, I've been concerned that like they don't care enough about giving space to the student orgs, but like it really hasn't been a concern for me. They've, they, the, 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 the professors of the professors, have been pretty willing to help us on everything. Um, there's been a great network of support. Mm. I honestly think it's it's been pretty good for me personally, but like other people have like concerns and complaints. I think I could just see at a point under bad leadership, it can go into a more negative aspect there. And I think that would be the biggest disservice to the students if like they if, if there was like a hindrance to that. I don't think it will be the case, but mm. I can totally see it happening. Okay. So you wouldn't say, like, we need more Greek life or anything like that, though? Nah, not really. Frankly, Greek life's kind of lame. Um, really? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, dude, the UF Greek life is, like, so cringe. Maybe the FSU one is cooler. I doubt it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I know a friend that is in the, Al like, Alabama Greek life up in the uh, in, in University of Alabama, and it seemed like it was very toxic, unfortunately. Like, I honestly was, like, very concerned with how it, like, impacted his his lifestyle, unfortunately. Mm. Um and I don't think we need more of that. I mean, I think I really think this school is great in the fact that we stray away from that. To be honest, like mm. we're very much uh, dissociated from the frats. Like it's it's way more of like everybody is able to have parties and have fun. Way less of like you need to be in a frat to have fun. Which frankly, that's kind of what Gainesville is like. Mm. And I think that's terrible. Like I think it's honestly so gross. Like, um, yeah, like ha like needing you to be in there and then. Fraternity life in general, it's like you, you get these freshmen in that just want to party and drink, and then it's like you incorporate them in, and they have this family, and at that point, it's like that's the only thing they know about college, and they're separated from their old old life back home, and they basically are like, I need to be a part of this because this is all that I know, and this is my life, and then you basically are able to treat them like shit because you have this opportunity to just be like you can't leave because this is all you have. And I think that's a, that's a pretty big disservice to people. And it really makes mm. people just become a, um, a silhouette of themselves and become a carbon copy of the people that are leading them in the fraternities. And I, I think it's pretty good that we honestly are not too focused on that. I think the fraternities mm. here aren't really super into that direction either, which is good because mm. they kind of understand that they're not like, they aren't really the top of the food chain here. It's 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 a way more distributed kind of uh, yeah. usage of like what people do socially here. Well, like it is like surprisingly just you know out of the sixty nine thousand students we have, like only about two thousand or so, or maybe that stat's a bit old, but like two thousand are in Greek life. Yeah, yeah. like that is so that much, minute. Yeah. Like it's, it's good. Yeah, it's I think insane. it's really good. <laughs> I don't know, like. I, I definitely see your points about it being good. Like, that's all they have, like, kind of messes with their... I think for freshmen, it's not a good move. It's... I don't... It's, I think it's very... I mean, I see why they do it, but I think it's frankly detrimental. I mean, yeah, I think there's something, like, beautiful about it. Like, that it's just, like, a... 
like we're gonna be your drinking buddies like come uh, join us like that's what it is i know they're saying like brotherhood but like no that part is cool i think the unfortunate parts is, is the group think and the hazing that i honestly see is like i mean like i don't know you, hazing comes in multiple aspects and you could say it's not overtly beating the shit out of people but mm. like i mean i think kind of ridding somebody of their personality is is frankly like not a great trade-off to be honest well i don't know that it did that because i i was a, a pledge for a couple months there, oh, yeah, there you go. and <laughs> like it was i i don't know that it like took away my personality but like the the fact that you have to make it so you can't just like you can't just join the frat willy-nilly like no, you, I agree, you yeah. have to you know you have to like invest a certain amount of time and like there's certain clubs here that do yes. that like like um sae yes, like, does do that, they yes. have like quite a serious vetting process to even like get in really Correct, yeah. um, I, mean, I i felt this way about theta tall as well i mean like because the i find that that is like a more ideal process in that like you were kind of like uh brought up to be more of just like an ideal engineer and an, like a professional engineer mm. and I, I find that to be valuable uh and i think the professional fraternities are more in the direction i find i see of like a value mm. i just think that like the ones that are a little bit too focused on I mean, it's inherent that they're going to be too focused on gossip because they're like, you know, it's pledges and you have all this nonsense behind that. Mm. And then also the fact of like, it is mostly like social behavior. Um, it does also kind of like feed into like a kind of um, just like over drinking and over partying aspect too. I mean, again, yeah. it's, it's human agency. Like you can make your own decisions even if you're in a group like this, but like. Yeah, but like kids whose parents were in it and so they feel like obligated right. to join, stuff mm -hmm. like that. I mean, it is like. I also look at sort of the the tier system of it in that like because <laughs> I have heard like <laughs> like fraternity life is for people who like really liked high school and they want to keep doing that. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's a pretty good thing. I haven't really heard that. That's funny though. But like looking, just looking at the houses, like looking at the sorority houses, you can tell by the houses the sort of the tier like like right like right. oh okay the bad like they got that money yeah they got that <laughs> I mean, money like yeah. you, you see this like the tridels that like that's a mansion you know you're like you're like whoa that's nice that's gonna be the best one like right, yeah and so like i'm wondering okay is this like a problem of the school not giving enough money to them is this just naturally how it kind of distributes like, cause it, you also are at least in my head is kind of like, all right, is it like this? These are the bimbos, or like <laughs> these are the girls that couldn't make it here, so they like, you know, they got everybody who couldn't make it, right? And like, I mean, I'll be real, like, like this is what I'm saying that like hyper focusing on like these types of concepts is not mm -hmm. really like uh, beneficial like uses of time in my opinion. I yeah. mean, it's good for us to discuss it so we can kind of yeah. like kind of reflect on it but like for some of these people that is like a good portion of their life is like yeah is like talking about like oh my god that frat sucks like this one is great all yeah. those boys are so cute like that's cool but like is that really a good yeah, use it, of time? Is it worthless like, yeah. like what do you get out of it like because yeah once you graduate like none of it matters exactly <laughs> Poof, there it all goes all your hard work that's what i try to say to a lot of people that hyper focus on again it's, it goes to like hyper focusing on stuff that's like superficial it's like you know important today useless tomorrow and basically which means useless today mm. like if it's something they like in a year you won't care about then like we shouldn't you shouldn't allocate like a third of your day to thinking about it type of vibe mm. um at least that's kind of my opinion again like to each throne and everyone could do as they please yeah i mean it's a free country <laughs> and uh you know some people feel like uh, some people love the like sisterhood side of stuff and the brotherhood side of things and like that's cool um I also do think it's kind of weird that we only have two fraternities, like, on campus. I think, like, yeah. having the Greek life on campus is an interesting move in general, to yeah. be honest. But, 
the uh, Greek ghetto is like an interesting vibe. <laughs> oh yeah, it's a fun place to be. Although I've heard they're cleaning it up. Or are they also, are they like like evicting like houses and stuff? Yeah, like, some of the houses in the back they've been like just destroyed. Like they'll evict the people and they're like wrecking them. I think they're gonna build something back there. Like some apartments or something or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but I, I don't. It, like, part of me likes it. Part of me likes the Greek life, but, like, I don't... There's, there's no logical reason why, you know? I can't look and be like, this is good for people. The culture, brother. <laughs> like, I don't... And, like, just sort of the, the way where it's, like, yeah, these, like, you routinely go to the bars with these people. Like, yeah. Like, that becomes your hobby, too. It's not just a matter of, like, these are my friends or, like, this is going to be my social circle. It's, like, this is what we're going to do. Right. Like, you, you know, and it, the fraternity I was in, like... I was looking at the majors and like you know who am I to judge kind of thing, but it's it was, engineers, eh? Yeah, it was, it was just a lot of like this isn't you know this isn't like somebody who's gonna put a lot into a career, like, right? Or something yeah, like that. I mean, I really think that uh, like business majors as a general kind of uh, realization. If I can, if I can do your major as a, as a hobby, then yeah. I don't think it's really a great, a great use of time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there's definitely, yeah, like uh, engineers kind of look down on business majors, or I guess more than just engineers. But like, I wonder, I don't, like, is there I, any validity to the business major? Like, I want to say yes, you know, like accounting. Yeah, yeah I, I would be accounting, accounting for sure. Accounting's very legit. Um, Maybe know, finance a little bit, you know. Sure, or, yeah. Or, I mean, but again, it goes into the realm of like I could learn this stuff on my own pretty easily. Yeah. Very difficult to learn, especially like rudimentary complex engineering concepts. Very difficult to learn on your own, to be honest. You can learn skills, but like if you want to learn like how to do circuit analysis in like great detail and success, like that is not very easy to do on your own. I can go and watch like finance videos and have, I mean, or just like outsource it to financial advisors, I guess, but. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a general understanding that gets me far enough to apply it. It's very, it's much more difficult to do that with engineering. Um, and I think that is why there is kind of this stereotype for it. Um, I mean, another thing too, I mean like marketing, like I've kind of done like real applied marketing and like you just get real feedback. You don't, I don't need someone to grade my marketing. Like, mm. dude, come on. It's, it's <laughs> all like population based and marketing also just changes based on the culture and whatnot. Mm. Um, you know, you can learn these things. Uh, realistically, I guess you could even do engineering or CS like without a major as well. But like, I mean, like CS especially, I think. I think so too. You can learn a lot of it on your own. Um, it's it's valuable to take the classes for sure. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's just like it, it is, frankly, like less demanding. Like if we're gonna be honest, like. Mm. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, I I value like what I've learned. I'm coming obviously from a biased perspective, so mm. that should be like factored into like this conversation, but. I think I've, I think I've like learned a lot from like being an engineering student. And I was going to do finance originally. And I'm very grateful that I that I ended up switching around. Like mm. I, I think I would have been, I would have been unfulfilled, and I would have I probably just I probably would have joined. Like if I went to UF, I probably would have done finance and joined a frat. And I don't think I would like the person I would be if I did that. To be honest, mm. so I got very lucky. I honestly like uh, a few things had to go wrong for me to get things right. Yeah, I mean that. That's definitely I've seen that too in my own life. Like, it's, you don't realize it when it when it happens. Sure, You're yeah. Like, this is this sucks. But then, like, it turns out to be something great. Like, yeah. like I didn't want to come to UCF. I was like, fuck, please don't make me come here. Like, <laughs> I was begging my parents, like, let me take out a loan. I want to go to UM. Please, please. <laughs> and they're like, we can't do it. It's like, sorry, son. It was a little expensive. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, thirty grand a year with scholarships. Like, oh, only thirty. I thought it was like fifty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I remember when I originally got my rejection letter from UF, I was like, I'm going to FSU, I don't care. And I'm grateful I came in my... I'm grateful <laughs> that my, I think my mom... I think my dad was like, you can do as you please as long as it's like in state so we don't have to pay, spend an arm and a leg and you can go anywhere for grad school. Mm. Um, but my mom was like, dude, no. Like, go to go to UCF. Like, have an actual opportunity to do cool things. Like, <laughs> do not do this. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, I, I know plenty of, like, people that have achieved a lot of great things even at, at FSU as well. So mm. it's, not, it's not like it's... I mean, it would have sucked to have driven, like, four extra hours from home out yeah. there. But uh, uh, I, I think this this ended up being great for me. I mean, like, I think it's... At this point, I think it was an objectively good decision. Mm, mm. I mean, hmm. it is. It is. Uh, yeah, you can never predict how your life is going to be shaped oh, by what sure, you yeah. do. <laughs> but I don't. I also wonder, kind of going back to the frat thing, like colleges in general. I don't know that. Like, I think they become a little bloated in some aspects. Like for some people, it's like it's just a summer camp. Or it's just like you go to college for four years just to like party right. and you're, you there's just no goal, to, yeah. yeah, you just go to school to like, oh yeah, I have this like class and like there's always the joke about like the professor who doesn't give a shit or who like <laughs> comes in and they're like, I'm gonna drink Nyquil until I pass out. Like I don't know if you've seen <laughs> yeah. that. <movie. laughs> yeah, like <laughs> I've not seen that one. That's a good one though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but like and and I've had I've had one experience with a professor here where I was like, oh, this is that professor. Like like <laughs> like he was just so goofy like he left class one time to like make himself a snack and he came back and he's like this is great you gotta try this it's like a chocolate bar melted in a tortilla it's like it's kind of yeah but um you get the full spectrum of professors anywhere you go you're gonna get some mediocre ones. i mean i'm sure mit even has mediocre professors that are yeah. just there for the i mean it's, it's always the thing like even there it's like they're probably exceptional at something but maybe it's not teaching yeah yeah and that that i also wonder like Making professors teach, I don't know, is necessarily the right move. Like, there's so much, but like, you'll you'll never. If if you made it optional, like, you'd probably never get people actually DJing. Yeah, <laughs> but but like, it's good in that like you learn a lot about the subject if you have to teach it to somebody. Like, arguably, sure. you get more out of it than they do. But also, like, some of these professors don't give a shit about like you know they're a calculus teacher. But, like, their research has nothing to do with calculus. Or, like, this is, you know, so basic for them. Or, like, it, it's they're not really getting any benefit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've definitely had professors like that. I mean, yeah, sometimes you're the ones that have, like, the very experienced, like, upper-level research, like, uh, knowledge and then go down to, like, super rudimentary classes. It's, like, you can maybe see benefits in that regard that, like, maybe they have such a wealth of knowledge that they'll do great. But most of the time, they might mail it in. Because uh, they're just like, I have a more important thing to do. Like, you guys are my, like, side thing to achieve this more important stuff. Like, I don't really care as much about you. Yeah. Um, and that's a very real concern, to be honest. But um, I don't know, though. It's the luck of the draw. I think Ray, my professor, is honestly a very valuable asset in that regard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Understanding what you're getting into is important. <laughs> Definitely avoided some some bad people that way. <laughs> I mean, Chan gets shitted on on that sometimes. But, like, I don't know. This is people that don't do well in this class. He's a very hard professor. But, like. Yeah. Well, I, I, I really enjoy. I like those professors. Like, for us, it's, like, Zorin is, you know. Right, yeah. He, he's, like, he doesn't give a shit. Or, like, he, he, he doesn't. He's not going to pity you, you know. Right. But I think we need more of those professors who aren't, like, like uh, I had this one physics professor, and, like, 
a great class, you know, very fun class, I guess. Mm -hmm. But like, I did not learn very much <laughs> physics. Like, I was not tested very hard on my knowledge. Like, you know, you had like the cheat card before. Like the yeah. test, you would be like, you know, don't worry, this isn't a judgment of who you are as a person. <laughs> and like, you know, there's a place for that. It's nice. Like, I know a lot of people really do stress and like, you know, tons of college kids kill themselves because they're not doing well. But, like, the professor who is, like, you need to learn this, and I'm not going to give you a curve. I'm not right, going to yeah. help you. Like, I think we need a lot more of that. Just, you know, in general. Like, I think a lot of people have sort of, we've gotten into a way of, like, it's okay. Whereas, mm -hmm. like, we need a lot less of that. Like, some things aren't okay to cut corners. Yeah, I think it is important to have more rigid guidelines at some, at some point. I think it's a... Uh, when you have yeah, when you have too easy of a curriculum, you just don't get as good of an output. Like I, I mean, I do get what you're saying too. Like yeah, like you don't want people to just be so mentally wrecked from their coursework. But you know, it's important to have rigorous requirements. It's important to have a curriculum that's going to be challenging. I mean, you want that degree to mean something. Like you have surpassed a very challenging uh, hurdles, and you've gotten to the end of the road, and you're you know from an accredited university and whatnot. But I mean, I don't know. This is why it kind of goes back to like don't put all of your eggs in the basket of the classes because, like, possibly that's not going to be what really matters. Like, mm. uh, companies are more or less looking for, like, extracurriculars and that you also were able to achieve well in classes. Mm. But to only achieve well in classes doesn't really get you anything. Like, for, frankly, that maybe will get you some, like, mediocre position. Like, you need mm. to have done, like, something that's impressive that sticks out if you want to be, like, doing great things outside of school. Yeah. I mean, yeah, just applying to jobs seems like projects are far more important than GPA. For sure, yeah, 100%. Like, because like, that's, like we were saying earlier, like, that's the real experience, you know? That's where you're actually doing something. Like, senior design has been, like, the most educating class pretty mm -hmm. much that I've had so far. And I'm almost disappointed that I had, didn't have something like it earlier, maybe. Right. Like, we did with the intro to engineering stuff, like the mm -hmm. Great Naval Orange Race, but, like, that right. was, you know, that was, like, a shit show, you know? Yeah, but that's what I've kind of been trying to do with IEEE is basically most of the projects are supposed to be mock senior design projects. Like, they're supposed mm -hmm. to be complicated. I mean, there's some that are that were more, like, beginner-friendly ones, but, like, the, the EV that we're working on, that is very much basically a senior design project. Mm -hmm. Like, um, said we, like, came up with all the specs and whatnot uh, instead of, like, it being kind of, like, more delineated from a professor. Um... But yeah, I was like, I, I've done so many projects that I'm like, now that I'm doing senior design, I was like, this this cake, like I already know how to do this. Like I've, I've managed like five projects at once. So like I, this will mm. be easy. And we've been working on ours since January with Dr. Chan. Mm. Um, and like I'm only in SD1 right now. So we're pretty. What are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing a blind assist pool table. So it's going to be able to make somebody like blindfolded be able to play billiards. So. Oh, like cool. that. Um, What is it? Like stuff made here guy did. Uh. I don't know. I know somebody I, made like an auto correcting, like uh, like it was like a pool, pool. cue. It would automatically change the yeah, angle. Yeah. And like, it's not the one that we're doing though. <laughs> that is cool though. That, mm. That's a cool concept. Uh, ours is more of like audio assistance to like guide a user to be able to like aim, like and move over a little bit yeah, or yeah. like move it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So my side of it is uh, I, it's actually two different sub teams. Uh, we're working on like the table side, which is like speakers on the table that guide the user and then kind of orient them generally. And then there's a user side that is working on the finer mo motor movements. So mm -hmm. like fine adjustments, like angle and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty fun project. Uh, you know, ho I'm hoping Dr. Chan has kind of expressed the idea of like you can make this something really good, or you can kind of just make it something that like. You get an A four, but it's less like impactful. I'm hoping that it will be more in the in the prior side of things, where it's like, 
we are doing something that's impactful and can like be something that people go, like, ooh, that's pretty cool. Mm. Like, I mean, that's kind of <laughs> what I want to do with all these projects that I've done is like, I don't want it to just be something that's like checking a box. I want it to be more of like, how can it have an impact and what is like, the goals of it? Yeah. Well, I think well, that seems to be something in senior design where like a lot of teams just do something that like either they don't have to have deliverables really. Like right. it's all, you know, theoretical stuff. <laughs> I know a few people like that. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, um, I remember my buddy was saying like, yeah, I, there were like, we'll say six drone teams last semester and only one of them actually flew and like, but pretty much all of them passed or all of them passed. Right. I don't know. And it, and I don't know necessarily that, yeah, maybe we don't need to force these people into like, oh, it has to be successful or like, there you go, two more semesters. Like, come on, buddy. <laughs> but like, I, I don't know, like where, where do you put that line of like, does it have to work? Yeah, I mean, it is tough because you don't want to fail people out of the university for not achieving their end goal. Um, but you also don't, I mean, yeah, it is kind of lame to make it so easy that it's like anyone can get through, which is kind of what it is to be mm. honest. Um, yeah, I know people who are like, I did nothing for my project. Yeah. Uh, I mean, dude, like realistically, all they care about is like, oh, did you do a 120 page paper? Which also like, if you did that in industry, like you get fired. Like if yeah. you write a hundred page paper, or, like 120 page paper of bullshit, like you're getting fired. Like your boss yeah. is going to be like, what the fuck is this? Like <laughs> and for like uh, the projects that we're doing, like with only four people, like 120 pages is way too fucking much. Like yeah. any technical paper like that is not getting read and is useless. Like, yeah, I, I doubt that our professors actually read oh, that. Oh no, they definitely do not it's read like, that at all. They probably briefly peruse and are like, oh, yeah, that looks like 120. Yeah. You're good. Like, uh, nice figure. There you go. Yeah, it's kind of a joke, to be honest. I'm I'm rather disappointed that that is, like, the hyper-focus of that class. I really wish it was more focused. I mean, like, it's good to have a paper, and I guess it's important because it will force you to kind of go through design, mm. but... Well, I think it's just, like, it's a deliverable, and it's kind of, like, standardized, you know, it's, like turn it in, you know, because it's like some teams yeah, turn yeah, in schematics, some teams turn in like a half-built drone. It's right. Like, yeah, I think it's, uh, I think there's one, I think that's what was even expressed to me is that it's like, it is a way to standardize like the accredited course of senior design, which mm. makes sense. Like it, it reasonably makes sense that that's the case. Yeah, it's kind of hard to, yeah, make it for every unique project to have a sort of system that works. For sure. I mean, yeah, I think, frankly, for my project, I could probably pass right now, even though it's, like, not even built. But <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what Dr. Chan was basically saying is, like, yeah, I mean, like, you can, you can pass for sure. But, like, I don't know. It's more interesting to actually get something cool like, mm. and then present that and demo that. And people be like, ooh, yeah. it's pretty nice. Huh. Do you think, like... I mean, that's just, like, a lot more Asian food here in America. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, you think we need more, is what you're saying? Like, I'm like, I'm cool. I like sushi. Like, you know, the whole, like, pho. I'm down for pho, bro. That's pretty cool. But it's like, not really great pho here, to be honest. Really? Like, I I thought, the West Coast is way better at Asian food. Because <laughs> I thought, our, like, our, the little Vietnam had some something going on. <laughs> I've never been. Is that in Orlando? or? Yeah, yeah it's off, uh, like, East Colonial, if you go near, like, Colonial and Mills. So, like, it's, like, north of downtown. And, like, there's, like, a little strip with, like, a lot of Vietnamese stores. And then there's, like, a Laotian food place. Mm. I haven't been there, but, like, I've been eyeing it. Like, ooh, what do they do, mm. you know? But what's the next one? You think African food's going to start popping off? Oh, dude, I love Ethiopian food. I had some for the first time in San Diego, which is an epic. I would love if that popped up here more. Like, what? what is it even like? like, is it it's like, like all, like, hands. Like, you have, like, this. Hands? Yeah, like, you have, like, this big bread, and you kind of use that to pick up just, like, it's, like, it's almost like dip. Oh. It's almost like, like, like pureed forms of the food and you kind of just like dip it and like grab it with the bread mm. epic it's so good um i mean more african food would be epic i'd be here for that for sure 
don't know what else would come. I mean, Europe, European food is kind of all over the place. I it's mean, kind like, of mo- most of it has just become Americanized. It's been European done. Food. Yeah. yeah, African food would be the move. If it that if that that would be. I think there's definitely there would be a demand for that if it becomes more popular. Well, I see Africa as, like, the next, like, it's going to pop off. For know? sure. I think so, too, yeah. Like, they got all their resources. They got... Although, I hear it's very hard to work in Africa just due to, like, corruption and stuff like that. But I don't know it's that very, that's... It's a very young population, though. So, I think yeah. I think now that they're kind of getting the more modern medicine to kind of, like... They're, they're addressing a lot more of just, like, the, root, like the baseline poverty issues in Africa. Mm. I think once they get beyond that... Uh, you know, as long as they don't get completely bought off by China by them building all, like, the infrastructure yeah. there, I think it'll be very successful. Ho- hopefully, it becomes more of, like, an independent entity rather than, like, just a control, controlled colony of China. Yeah, that yeah. would that'd be unfortunate. Um, I don't think it really worked well when Europe did that to, to Africa. It kind of just made it more, uh, even more uh, violent, to be honest, especially, mm. like, South Africa, for sure. Um and uh, I think it's what's uh, what's uh, Rwanda as well uh, could definitely be classified in there too. Um, I hope that it more becomes just like an independent thing. Again, it goes back to like you want the diverse uh, voices in the room, mm. and it would be cool to see like strong leaders in Africa kind of like find their own direction and realm, less of like just becoming a carbon copy of Europe or or the U.S. or Asia. Yeah. I don't know, like, looking at China, do you, how do you feel? Do you, you think their whole, like, Belt and Road thing is a little, like, intimidating? Are you worried? I mean, it's a good concept. The U.S. should do more of that instead of invading yeah. countries. <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, it, coups and, and whatnot is not great, for, not a great view for the U.S. I think invading yeah. random countries isn't good. China's definitely doing it the better way, and they're, it's ironic they're doing a more, like, capitalistic approach. Mm. Um, but obviously they're kind of selling tainted goods to a group that is unaware that they're going to get fucked, like, to be honest. Yeah, I've heard the quality of, like, their projects. It's also true, yes. The roads that they're building are not that good, Um, and they're also just selling these loans to eventually kind of sell off the future of these African countries, which is of concern. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would wish the U.S. would kind of go more of this approach and actually do it quality so that they would, these countries would instead be like, screw you guys, we're going to go with this more quality product. Mm. Um, Frankly... Yeah, unfortunately, the hyper-focus on Ukraine, which is kind of like, I don't know, dude, what is the future potential of that area? I understand what you're doing and, like, kind of showing, like, oh, we don't want, like, dictators to control the world, but, like, and, like, you know, you want to uh, stop the potential for a bigger war, but also, like, dude, like, Ukraine, is, I mean, besides, like, grain exports, like, mm. there's so much, like... And like, they got a lot of fossil fuels now, like, down in that Crimea area. Mm-hmm. Valid, yes. Um, but, like, you know, East Asia and Africa are probably way more, like, important centers of the future. Like, let's mm. be real. Like, I mean, Asia just has so much future potential. Like, Korea, Japan, and, and Taiwan is just, like, so much more impactful for the future of America than, or the future of the West than uh, than Ukraine, which mm. is just, like, a former Soviet state. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, again, it's no knock on how, like, they've been doing very well in a very negative situation, and it's not like I'm like, yes, Russia's doing good by invading them. <laughs> it's not really the vibe here, but, like, it's just weird that we're, I mean, uh, it, it, realistically, it's just, it's a way for the military-industrial complex to just continue to flourish, like, mm. which is also just, like, whack. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like looking at industries like, oh, you know, I could definitely get a job in the military industrial complex. For sure, yeah. But should I get a job in the military industrial I, complex? frankly, am not interested. I did that briefly in uh, when I worked at Qualcomm. It was like uh, government contracting, mm. not really my vibe. I, and I also just like major corporations, not really my vibe. And, I mean, inherently, military contractors are 
major corporations. I mean, shit. They're basically built on the concept of, like, keep the organization intact, no strong leaders. Like, we just want to maintain the status quo and make money, yeah. um, which is... Yeah, I mean, it's so lame. Like, that's I mean, cool. for the military, yeah, it doesn't seem like something we'd want. Like, you'd really want to build up an entire industry based on the fact that we sell weapons. Like, I mean, yeah, if you go, to, I mean, the, the other side of things is like, yeah, you're basically f- putting money into killing people, which at face value, not too good either. <laughs> yeah, not, 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 not too good. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, I guess we could we could label that. I'm going to say bad. <laughs> bad. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here. <laughs> but, I mean, you can make the argument that you're killing the, the bad people, so. That's... <sighs> Yeah, bad for who though? I don't know. No, like, no, yeah. It's, it, the, yeah. Uh, objective evil is not really something you can pinpoint. So it's, I don't think it's really good to use that as like your your rallying cry for um, for why you are doing like your you know you basically your life's work. Yeah, like some people working so much fifty years. Like yeah, yeah, but I, I don't see the the tempting thing about it is like mainly the resources of it. Like you, there's certain experiences that you you're not going to be able to get at a small company that you can like just the the resources for employees the type of projects they work in like in my mind like the military industrial complex is just like like if engineers could do whatever they want that's all they would do all the time is like <laughs> let's build a jet and make nah. it shoot like a bunch of missiles out of it and like like that's you know that's the most sort of sexy fun job right. like nobody wants to design air conditioners like mm-hmm. that's the shittiest job oh the homies don't like HVAC you're saying yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry but yeah so. um, I think that the unfortunate thing about it, though, is, like, a lot of the engineering roles of these companies is kind of just, like, superfluous and, like, oh, yeah, like, change, like, the wingtip on this to make it slightly more aerodynamic when they could just do that, like, once and said they'll do it, like, distribute it over 10 years to keep selling, like, the same model of jet and missile. And it's just, like, I don't know. I think a lot of the realization, like, you know, even though the glamorously you could be, like, I want to build jets, but, like, the realization is you're doing, like, super stupid work and, like, mm. there's just so much superfluous amount of money in there. There's so much that's just, like, wasted. I mean, from the point of, like, I mean, I've talked to people that directly interact with these contracts and how they're made and how the government kind of distributes them. And it's a lot of, like, here's $400 like, billion, like, wasted, basically. Like, <laughs> this project is now useless and we don't need it anymore. Waste the money is more, I mean, probably not billion. It's probably more like, like, something like that would be $400 million or something. Mm. It's like, oh, yeah, we're going to do this project. And then, like, it's a five-year plan. After the first year, it's not going to happen. They're like, I don't know, do nothing for a year now. Like, waste the waste the money. Like, that's kind of the vibe in general. Yeah. That. Well, that's it. Like, the system I always hear about is, like, if you don't spend your full budget, then Correct. you lose yeah, it. Correct, yeah. Yes, and, like, issue, is yeah. there not a better alternative to that system? Like, that just seems inherently bad like That's stupid yeah yeah <laughs> like but what do you do like you ask them how much do you need honestly yeah like right, right everybody's gonna be like more money that's what we need any real company if they did that would be bankrupt like if they were yeah. just like we have to waste money which is why i think it's like these companies are just backstopped by the u.s government mm. and they all it's all a revolving door like the people that work at the top of you know these mil- these military companies like lockheed and raytheon just end up going right back into the u.s government and yeah. become lobbyists and or politicians, and then they give the politicians money, and it's all just an endless cycle, and it's very unfortunate because, again, it kind of goes back to this concept of we're doing something that's, like, we should inherently be evolved beyond. Like, we shouldn't Mm. be killing each other anymore, like, frankly. Like, that's that's super super animalistic. It's super primitive, and it's disappointing to see that we've relied on a structure that is, like, super into, like— you know, I mean, people's whole livelihoods is basically behind it, and it's yeah. about killing people. Like, that's, that's very unfortunate. I mean, 
see, I just don't know, like, getting, trying to get away from it, I think, is very hard in that, like, like, they, everybody talks about, like, oh, the robot wars or whatever. Like, we're all just going to send drones uh, after each other. Simulate the whole wars. Yeah, but it's like, at the end of the day, the only way, like, if you have something that I want, I can definitely get it if I just kill you. Like, yeah, that right. is the most final, like, you win the argument. <laughs> like, that is period, done. Correct. I don't really think there's, I think the only way to uh, get away from that is to, uh, I mean, frankly, and, you know, maybe I sound stupid saying this, but it's, like, to eliminate scarcity so that you don't have, like, a need to fight over resources. Like, mm. And I think, you know, maybe it's something that could be eventually done. Like, if you can come up with engineering manners to have, like, unlimited food and, like, I mean, land is really the hardest one, to be honest. Yeah. Like, land is really, like, the one that's, like, how the fuck do you, like, regulate that and mm. have it that it's, like, balanced that you won't fight over it. Um, but maybe it's just, maybe it revolves around expanding into other parts of the universe, but... I mean, like, if we become, like, one world government, like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, Star, Star Trek also has that, like, ha it was also, I kind of, like, do strive, hopefully, for that in the future for, Amer like, not America, but, like, the world mm -hmm. is that, like, we, we, they, they, it was, like, like, there's no money, uh, f like, resources are, are plentiful, and there's no, like, war within the planet. Mm -hmm. That's really ideal. I think it's, like, the utopia that we, is it, actually achievable, hopefully, um, it's not, like, close, to be honest. Yeah, I know. Um, but I think that's, like, something that maybe can be done in the next millennium. Um, it would be cool to see. I, I mean, really, I think that's the one benefit of nuclear weapons is that it's kind of, like, caused us to, like, not have as many of these wars. But we still are doing these proxy mm. wars, and we're still... And it's kind of still based on, like, scarcity, even if it's just, like, within one's own domestic country. And, like, we mm. need an industry that revolves around conflict in order to support our economy. Like, I think eventually if we get away from needing these uh, resources and distributing resources even domestically, that's how you can maybe eventually uh, put war on the on the uh, shelf and retire it. Um, mm. But, you know, it's very long away. We're very good at war, unfortunately. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is kind of, yeah, it's, we've been doing that since day one. Like, True. you yeah. know, you got the banana, I want the banana. <laughs> how are we going to figure this out? <laughs> But I don't know. I mean, I think we're looking good, though. Like, we're besides the, like, possibility of nuclear war, like, uh, things are going in a good direction. You know, like, air conditioning's nice. Like, I don't have to walk everywhere, you know. Like, you can, like, just think about, like, food. Like, I don't have to hunt anything. I don't have to garden. I just, like, I can call somebody and they'll bring me <laughs> anything. Like, I could have food from Asia and from Italy <laughs> in front of me right now. It's like, very good until it, until it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's such, like, a sensitive system built off of all these, right. like, just money alone. Like, I mean, we all agree money's yeah. worth stuff. Like Even just, like, the start of the COVID pandemic where people were, like, going to the stores and, like, ransacking shelves. So they're like, fuck it, I'm not going to have food now. Like, yeah. It, it, it's very possible that if something major happens, like if the grid goes down at some point, that, like, chaos ensues from that. Like, you can't get your food. Your food that's in your fridge goes bad. I don't know how to farm. I'm, mm. I'm, it's time to kill people. Like, yeah. yeah that's very... Uh, I understand that those are, like, concerns, too. And, like, honestly... We kind of don't really talk about that yeah. at all. And it's very, like, I mean, that's kind of what my thesis research was on is, like, grid security. It's a very, like, real thing that could happen. Like, someone, like, someone, like, some negative actor takes on the grid or, like, you know, nukes the capital. And then there's just, like, chaos that cascades into a bunch of, you know, your grid isn't working. You don't have a steady food supply. And... That, that is bad, and that is definitely, mm. like, concern. And there should possibly, I mean, maybe some contingency plans, but, like, it really does kind of, like, hang on a thread. I mean, the supply chain was, like, a kind of a uh, innuendo to this, that, like, 
you know, shutting down kind of trade for like a few weeks fully caused like the entire supply chain to suck for two years. Like yeah. it kind of shows that we are hanging on basically day by day, less of like have plans for months at a time. Like, it's, mm. It is more of like, yeah, we need everything to work every day or else problems ensue. And that, you know, that cascades after you put it uh, at scale. Mm. What? Yeah. Are we vulnerable to the grid? Like what, what, how would one go about taking out the grid? Um, what is the grid? Who right. is it? Who are they? <laughs> Who are these people? Um, also, so what the, time are we? I gotta make sure. Oh, we are okay. We're at three oh nine. So let's. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah. This would be the last question. This is right. good in my field. So, um, so yeah, the grid at large is. Uh, I guess you could describe it. Uh, well, you could go very technical and say there's like three subgrids within the U.S. But mm. at large, I would describe it as the interconnection of uh, power systems and technology within. Uh, any region, uh, there's multiple grids. So there's like, you know, European grid, uh, Ukraine's grid is currently being bombarded by missiles. Mm. Uh, um, but the U.S. grid, uh, and really any grid, is vulnerable to primarily cyber attacks is the biggest issue right now. Mm. Um, physical attacks are rather hard to insinuate without, again, literally bombing them mm. at this point. Uh, but basically, the power grid is very integral to having, like, your power being distributed from, you know, generation site. So it's going to be like uh, turbines, uh, whether it's like gas, uh, wind, whatever, mm. nuclear plants, which frankly I think are kind of demonized, unfortunately. Mm. Um, I think nuclear plants are probably a good path to the future. Uh, but another day's topic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I think um, the grid at large relies currently on a lot of, it's moved a lot from analog systems, which were normally uh, just reading in power and kind of reacting based on that, to more digital systems where the power is read in and then digital computers are making decisions based on that. So uh, you, can, you have relays that are looking at like, what is the current uh, voltage of this power line? Like what is the voltage at this, uh, this, this, um, the substations, uh, 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 I'm afraid the transformer, uh, like which is like changing voltages and whatnot, mm -hmm. um, and like currents. That, so like you could understand if like like let's say a power line goes fully down, like it gets cut and hits the ground, uh, you'll have a big spike in current that will occur based on that, mm -hmm. uh, and that's something that can be read in from uh, these these uh, these computers, and then you can respond accordingly by like taking that portion of the grid offline, mm -hmm. uh, or you know other responses that maybe would be more uh, you know effective for whatever the problem is. Uh, the biggest issue with this transition is actually that doing this has led us to have the possibility that if these computers read in improper information, that you could basically control uh, that part of the grid. So in two regards, so mm. uh, you could actually have it so that one, you're reading in data that is like showing that everything is working fine when actually it isn't. You mm. could be showing everything is going fine uh, while actually like tanking like part of the grid. Uh, an example of this would be that uh, you have, let's say... Uh, I believe they did this in Iran, actually, as a cyber attack. Uh, I, I don't think it's confirmed, but I believe it's the U.S. and Israel did this. Mm. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, they basically were sending in false data points to nuclear centrifuges that were there, which were, like, for nuclear power generation. Mm. Uh, I think it was one of the research plants there. Uh, uh, and it was basically causing the centrifuges to uptake in speed, and it was basically feed, feeding back in that information while the real information would have said, all right, you're at a good pace, like don't increase the speed of the centrifuge. And it kept doing that in a way that it eventually uh, actually blew up the uh, centrifuges that were there. So mm. uh, that's something that could happen. You could also maybe read in false information that will literally uh, cause like breakers to open and then you take off a portion of the grid. Mm. Uh, that's a very real concern for me, to be honest. I think that's honestly the most realistic concern. Uh, damaging the generators is bad, like how that Iranian one was, but... Um, the ones that I'm most concerned of is that you feed in false information to a line relay, which is like basically uh, what reads in transmission line data. Mm -hmm. And 
that way you take off like you know the entire east coast's grid and if that cascades enough uh, you can basically yeah take out an entire grid uh, in total, and that could that that is very hard to bring something like that massive back online. It's a lot of big machinery, like a lot of big generators that go into that. Uh, mm. That it's not it's not like you just like flip a switch and it comes back on. If you take out a large portion of the grid, uh, I don't know if you recall when it happened in Texas recently, mm. a lot of the power grid went off. It's like it, 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 there's blackouts for several days when that happens, and. Uh, Russia's very interested in doing that to the U.S., frankly. I'm honestly very surprised it hasn't happened yet. They they have done an attack like that in Ukraine prior to the war. I believe actually in uh, when they invaded Crimea, they had mm. done something like this to kind of be a show of force of, like, look what we can do. Um, and it's a big concern. Like, if, if there's not robust enough defenses, you could have uh, big portions of the grid coming down and then... I mean, more or less chaos ensues when that happens. If you're not getting messages that are saying everything's okay and you have no fucking clue what's going on, if all your food is going bad and you don't have, like, AC or heating during the winter or the summer, uh, irrespectively, mm. <laughs> uh, I mean, that is, like, rife for people to just, like, go fully chaotic and start killing one another, to be frank. Yeah. It, it is honestly a concern for me because, like, I... I don't really know. Like, I'm frankly not prepared for that, and I know most of, like, America isn't prepared for something like that to happen, and I think there's a bit too much faith in that we are prepared for an event like that. Mm. I mean, how does going to get access, like, is it connected to the Wi-Fi or something, or, like, do you have to go to these, like, line relays and specifically, like, right, yeah. hook up a computer? So, physically, you could do that. That's honestly pretty improbable. Uh, I kind of, I think I insinuated that, but basically, like, these these locations are pretty secure. It would be, it would be mm. pretty hard for you to break in and just I mean you could do it mm. uh, you most likely wouldn't have a cascading effect or something like that but you could have an impact mm. um, more of the concern is that somebody infiltrates a secure network of yours or just an isolated network which is most of how these power grids work uh, it's mainly these utilities that are on isolated networks from the remainder of the internet uh, it's like just only a network that's communicating between devices and a central control mm. station um, if they can infiltrate that and feed in false information uh, or like, you know, even in between data transmission points. So let's say like um, your uh, like fiber optic cables or Ethernet ports, if you feed in improper data in between those endpoints uh, and start points, you could then possibly send in that false information. I'm actually working, this is actually like what my thesis was on and uh, what one of the per people in my lab is working on a simulation of right now within our test bed um, is like trying to f find algorithms that can prevent this from happening. Mm. Um I think I think honestly our approach is, is like is optimistic for me because it's like uh, we're looking less of being responsive to attacks and more of looking at ways that like will inherently prevent them from happening. We're looking at mm. ways that's like if you do something like uh, you know infiltrate data in uh, one of the algorithms is like scrambling the data with a chaotic circuit, which is like it just means it's very hard to emulate that data mm. and then like uh, having at the end point a way to decode that. If you put it like in the middle point there, like within that transmission. Uh, it's going to be very hard to actually feed in that wrong data, and it will be read as false data. Mm. We're looking at ways that we can do stuff like that that can possibly uh, end up resulting in us having, like, a more secure grid and more secure transmission of that data. Huh. Damn. Okay. Well, I didn't realize this is a... Yeah, no, I, I kind of know a lot of them. <laughs> I mean, yeah, bro. I feel like we should have gotten into that. Shit. Uh, <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good place to end on it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, so, okay. We could all die at any moment. Or, or great yes, it's a very optimistic ending. Yeah, no, but I think the optimism behind it, though, is that, you know, there's people that are working on all these problems that we've discussed. Um, I'm frankly, like, again, you know, we have problems. I think it's important that we, and it's kind of human to, like, focus on what the issues are. Mm. Um but in large part, I think we're moving in a positive direction as a species. 
and you know even if we have like ups and downs i think i think i think just people that want to make things better no one in, i think inherently wants to be a bad person but mm. people just have different manners they think they they could realize you know positive outputs yeah <laughs> so you know hopefully the viewers and and us can be that positive aspect mm. well, I think, yeah that is a great place to end well thank, <laughs> thank you for coming on alex uh, it's been a pleasure and uh <laughs> goodbye everybody peace